my wife. Hey. <laughs> Hello to the legions and welcome once again. Welcome to the What You've Been Watching podcast. I am your host, the exhausted, the dehydrated, marvelous Mike Dudley. Joined as always by my cohort, cohort and youngest brother. Marcus Dudley, MD3, checking on in on you. What is going on out there in podcast land? We are broadcasting live from the What You Been Watching studios right here in Tallahassee, Florida, in the shadows of Dope Campbell Stadium as they ramp up for the upcoming football season. Because August is fucking lame. It's the lame part of summer where school starts back. It's hot as shit. There's football, but it's not good football yet. Not quite fall yet. So we're ready for it. Uh, we want to give a big shout out to Kesta for our lovely intro music. Always bright. Always bright. Check it out on the interwebs. Just Google Kesta. I'm sure they will show up wherever you need them to, like a fucking bat signal in the sky. Speaking of the interwebs, where can they reach us, brother? They can find us at whatcha been watching podcast at gmail.com. And you must enunciate it like that <laughs> as you type it into your, uh, to your uh, Google emails or whatever. Uh, also, big shout out to the lovely MKD Art, which you will see on our Facebook page. Where is that, my brother? That can be reached at facebook.com slash Dudley Bros Podcast. Or, you know, we out here. We're Come out find here. us. I was selling Biggie Smalls t-shirts, two for $20 yesterday. <laughs> I'm out there. You'll see me. Tupac lives. I saw him on the corner selling Biggie t-shirts. <laughs> two for 20 <laughs> Anyways, how you been, man? Good, man. Good. It's been a while. Good. It's been yeah, a while. It's been you a guys don't know this, but it's right. been a while. Right. <laughs> Movie magic. Yeah, the uh, the power of editing and banking episodes. It's yeah. like we never left. Yeah. We've been <laughs> hip to everything. <laughs> oh, man. It's just, like you said, man, it's just dog days of summer, and it's brutal out there, man. So I love when I walk into a kitchen, and it's just as equally hot as it is outside, and so I get no relief ever. It's fun. Yeah, sometimes it's been so hot out recently. I used to work in the kitchen. Like going outside, it was actually cooler in the kitchen than it would be outside some days, and that's fucking saying something. Yeah, yeah. Heat index, but you know, global warming is a myth. So sure, yeah. sure. Fuck you, Greta Thunberg. Mm-hmm. Just stop yelling at me about it. Is the <laughs> like, Look, I know what the fuck do you want me to do? I'm gonna donate somewhere. Okay, cool. Show me where that money goes. I'm broke. He right. caught his cheese for dinner. I'm worried, I'm worried about my fucking hierarchy and needs. First and foremost, what the fuck you think I got? I'm trying not to be homeless. Yeah, for real. That way I don't have to be outside in this global warming. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, man. No, I've uh, just wrapped up another semester at school. I took my Hooray. final exam. Yep, 95 in the class. So we're All right. American government, man. Fucking. My boy's wicked smart. Wicked smart. Yeah, no, I was an American government class. It just makes me realize how little I want to do with all of that. <laughs> I'm glad I, I've learned a couple things, but mostly that shit in the Constitution and the way things are written is incredibly vague. Yep. For very specific reasons. So people can interpret however the fuck they want. And it's like, why is that again? So, oh, whatever. I don't want to talk about that at all. That's why. Because fuck you. This is America. That's why. Right, if you don't like the colonies, you can get out. Get out. Anyways, but that's not what we're going to talk about here is all the struggles of the world. Michael, the reason why the people tune in, week in, or bi-weekly, week in, week out, you know what it is. Uh, they want to know, man. There's a million dollar question that they tune in for. And it's, uh, what you been watching, my brother? My man. First off, let me start off by saying I went on a rock crusade the other day. A uh, rock crusade? Yeah. 
like not hunting for rocks, but like mm. watching movies with one Dwayne the Rock Johnson in them. Right. Uh, yeah, we, uh, game night got canceled uh, for various reasons, whatever. And so we just decided, you know, screw it. We're just going to turn it into movie night. And we landed squarely on Doom, and then immediately followed that up with the Scorpion King. Why? <laughs> because they were shorter than the other options that we wanted to watch. And we were like, oh, well, if we do these two, then we can get two movies in and not just one. So that's what we did. Um, I don't regret the decision, but, you know, probably could have been time better spent. Uh, yeah, I wanted to like Doom a lot when it first came out, but it missed the mark. The only thing that was really dope was the, the scene you already know I'm talking about. Uh-huh. When they finally do the first person thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. They built for that, and you're like, well, that was cool for, what was it, 12 minutes or whatever the hell it is? 16 oh, less minutes? than that. It's yeah. it's probably about a four-minute sequence. But yeah, it's, it's literally at some point the... Uh, Carl Urban character uh, Grimm goes into uh, goes into first person shooter mode, and you know they, it's just it's just like it is in the video game where stuffs dropping down out of the ceiling, and then Pinky jumps out and attacks you, and you got to beat it off with a wrench, and then Zombie comes from the left, and you got to shotgun that one, and then you know it's. But why the entire movie wasn't like that, I I have no idea. Like they don't even get into the whole demonic like hellscape thing until like 45 minutes almost an hour into the movie yeah and then it's just before that it's just this really slow paced like oddly cut like almost like alien remake or or like like if somebody vaguely remembered the sigourney weaver classic and was like oh we can just do that yeah i mean you kind of hit the nail on the head it kind of missed the mark and i don't I'm going to say some things, but I want you to know I have a daughter that has special needs, so this is not coming from a place of anger, but isn't like the whole thing with the with the monsters or whatever initially is like they have an extra, like they give them an extra chromosome? They have 23, yeah, basically so, scientists on Mars basically uncover uh, this previous civilization that was run by people that have, they're basically human, but they have 23 chromosomes, and yes... You're right. That means that they were, uh, how do I put this? Very corky? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so that was like the whole premise of it, which I was like, this is fucking like kind of insulting and lazy, but that was like the genetic, like they were trying to scientifically like, oh, we can add abilities if we just add another chromosome. Like, it's no, like, it doesn't work that way no, at all. No. Like, you just earned your self a one-way trip to the short bus for the rest of your life yeah bud. yeah I mean, again i'm not saying it to be mean or disparage anybody but i just as a writer i was like you know or whoever wrote that i was like you could probably research like google's out at this time <laughs> like, i get if you want to say okay we're trying to explore the alteration of the human genetics to or do just, this just, and then just ask a doctor be like hey i'm writing a thing so what happens if i gave another human 20 a uh, a, a, another set of uh, genes, they'd be like, "Oh, don't do that." Yeah, they'd be like, "Oh, well, Down syndrome and some other, <laughs> some like, other you know, whatever it might be." I'm, I don't, again, I'm not a genealogist, but like, I'm pretty sure <laughs> we ain't scientists, doc. Yeah. But I just, yeah, I thought that was incredible. Yeah. Like, when I saw that, somebody brought that to my attention. I was like, "Yeah, you're right." Yeah, yeah. It's just they they try to hit all the notes of the video game, which I mean, the video game in itself is just one note. It's literally just kick down doors, shoot demons. Like, Get card keys. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go to the med lab to go get the the key card that's gonna unlock the armory, so I can get the BFG. Then the, take the BFG 
to unlock the stairs so that I can move on to the next level. And in between there, things are going to jump out and I have to shoot them in the face. I mean, pretty much. So, and then you find another card key. And then cycle repeats yeah. itself. Ad nauseum. Yeah. I heard the new uh, Doom Eternal was dope, though. Have not played it. It's. I like the idea that the general consensus of it was like you... The whole point of it was to like they... They're like, oh man, this game's so generous. They give you a lot of guns and they load you up with ammo. And then you're like, oh, yeah, they're giving me a lot of ammo. <laughs> Shit. And so the whole point is like, and then you face like a gauntlet of enemies and you pretty much exhaust every resource you have. And then at the end of it, if you make it out, you get your health back and it's like, all right, cool. And then you kind of reload and do it again. But I've, I've heard it's really cool in the sense of like, you know, when they're about to crank it up, the music comes in and you're like, fuck. So, <laughs> I know it's kind of a little bit of a tangent, but Doom Eternal uh, yeah. for those checking in on the what you've been playing <laughs> but you know i remember seeing doom when it came out man i was not overly impressed by it and this is back when there's never really been a consistently good like video game franchise movie and so the bar has been pretty low yeah. like collective like even the new mortal Kombat fell short in my personal opinion because just the combat fucking sucked yeah in my opinion. Yeah. it was too many cuts too many like you got a couple flash moments of cool sword play and then it was a quick cut and it's like Man, like this is Mortal Kombat. Like the premise is so simple. Like show these motherfuckers fight in a violent way. Yeah, yeah, like, that's it. That's all. I just fell short of it, yeah. in my personal opinion. Uh, there were some cool scenes. Just but. give me a straight up Kumite with people yeah. getting, you know, hearts ripped out of their chest and whatnot. Yeah, you know? and, and like, so you don't have to go into a backstory of like why Scorpion can spit fire and why Sub Zero can shoot ice balls. Just they just do. Who cares? Right. That's their ninja tribe. Cool. That's, that's fine. But no, it's one of those things. Like even the first Mortal Kombat, it. It was something like in terms of video game movies, like you hadn't really seen it before. It's like we all lined up to see the Super Mario Brothers movie, the first one, and it was an entirely disappointing thing. Mm-hmm. It's like this is not what you know we thought it was going to be. And right. So Street Fighter is the same way. So even with Doom being out, it was kind of like the first X Men movie. It's like I'm glad it exists because you got to put your money where your mouth is. They're not going to continue to make these movies, right? Unless right. You unless people go see go it or see what? it, right? So, but it was, the bar was pretty low for me, and uh-huh. like, I I was kind of, eh, on that one, but they did say that's a big effing gun, though. <laughs> I did, at the very end. Yep. In the Rock's line of, I'm not supposed to die. Wait, yeah. I'm not supposed, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Like I said, they, they do a good job, like, they hit all the notes of what happens in, in the Doom game, but... It takes too long to get there, yeah. and then when it happens, they're just trying to cram them all in at the same time, and it's just like, all right, well, you could have spaced these out, and you know, it's just like I said, it's it's a cheap imitation of both the game and other well done survival horror movies, you know, pretty much. And they could have labeled that anything else, yeah. Besides, they could have named it, you know, Space Lost Marines, or, yeah, Space yeah. Marine, and I would yeah. have had no idea that it was attached to, yeah. to Doom. Right. Like, except for the, right, except for that one sequence where they go into the first person where I would probably be like, this looks like Doom. Yeah, yeah. Or that was a good concept. Oh, you know, they should maybe do a Doom movie like, right, right, like this. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. So, What yeah. would you rate it, though? Uh, I mean, chill, you can still talk about it. I just No, I, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, it's, it's, it's got a pretty decent cast. It's got Carl Urban's in it. You know, obviously The Rock. They've got... Um, Has Carl Urban ever made our underrated performer of the week? Probably. Not yet. No, for no. Ju- for uh, dread. Oh yeah, no, he's yeah he's on there for yeah, that. One. He's yeah. definitely been on there for that. Okay, yeah, for sure. Well, you're not getting it for Doom, but you're getting it right, for dread. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's been a better time spent for you. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm gonna give that. Uh, what was the name of the big boss? Never mind. Either way, it's the it's the unbeatable 
final boss in Doom level. It's it's that. It's just it's no fun. I will give the Doom movie one Wolfenstein. <laughs> That's what I'll give it. An even cheaper imitation. <laughs> so you said you also saw the Scorpion King? Yeah, yeah. Rolled directly into the Scorpion King. And again, it's... Is it's... Brandon Fraser in that movie at all? No. No, no, no. No, no. That's that's the Mummy 2. That's the one with the infamous right, right. Uh, CGI scene where the, where the rock turns into a giant scorpion centaur creature. Like, yeah. half man, half rock, half oh, so scorpion. I thought that was in the Scorpion King. No, the Scorpion King is the prequel... Right. Uh, tells the story. Tells the, the story of how he became. But here's the thing: it doesn't even tell the story of how he became the Scorpion King because they cover that in the first three minutes of uh, the Mummy Two, where they're like, "There once was a king who lost his kingdom and was cursed," and like just roll into it. And so this entire movie is just him winning the kingdom. It's very like it's a very cheap imitation of like the you know, the classic swords and sandals and sorcery kind of movie you know like yeah but again it's just been done better like Conan the Barbarian is a is a great example the Beastmaster is a great example even Call or Crawl uh, is a is a great example and like it just has the unforgivable sin of just being middle of the road and just sort of like eh I've definitely seen that before and like yeah that was cool but. Yeah, nothing. Nothing really sticks no, out. No wow it. factor to it. Yeah, because I yeah, don't think yeah. I've honestly, I don't think I've ever seen it. I, I mean, like it's a competent movie, but it definitely doesn't look like it's, it was shot, you know, through a potato. Right, but, right. But but it there's just it's all the the same old tropes that they you know that they do in in Conan the Barbarian and and all those you know the the, the tales of Hercules well, whatever. Fucking the Rock. Dwayne Johnson has made a fucking career out of that shit too. There was a meme online and it cracked me the fuck up. It was it was him in the Scorpion King, it was him in Hercules, mm-hmm. him in Black Adam, and then him in wow, it was one other movie that was along the same lines. And it was like these are all four different movies and like they all looked the exact fucking same. <laughs> like the character, the way they were dressed, like I forget what the third one was. It was fucking hilarious. And then they did the same thing of him in a white shirt, like looking up in the jungle. And it was like, these are all four different movies. <laughs> it's like Rampage, The Rundown. I forget the other two. but Walk, uh, walk yeah, Tall. Yeah, Walking Tall. Yeah, I was like, these are four different movies. Yeah. My friend Calla, we all had that one uh, quirky, uh, whether it be a guy or a girl. Uh, if you're a guy, you probably had that one quirky friend girl at school. And uh, this girl, Calla. Really silly, really silly. But when the poster for the Scorpion King came out, it kind of tickled her funny bone in the way that some shit like would get to me. Uh-huh. Like, if, like for example, like a a boneless pork rib sandwich fucking <laughs> cracks me up in its existence. But the poster to the Scorpion King made her just laugh and want to talk about it all the time because she was like, <laughs> she's like, look at the Rock, look how big he is. Now look at him hold his little pussy little bow and arrow like me. Like what am I gonna do? Like. I would rather be shot with your bow and arrow than punched in the face by you. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and it just tickled her very much, and so she just wouldn't shut up about the Scorpion King poster. So I could never commit to seeing the movie. Because every time I saw him hold, she like, did you see the trailer when he's like looks all tough and he says the one liner and then he like shoots the arrow in slow mo? It's like there's no gunpowder's been existed. There's not gonna be an explosion. None of that shit. Well, like she has a point. Like, what are you gonna do? Is it gonna ricochet off something? Like, no. You're you're not wrong. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it just it ruined it for me. But I'll always every time I see or, or think of the Scorpion King, I think of her like rant. It would be perfect for the podcast nowadays if I could do it justice. But it was like a weekly thing. Her talking about the Scorpion King. So <laughs> shout out to you, Kella. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, but it's uh, it's kind of a cash grab. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of a cash grab. Uh, but it, it was the Rock building his. You know, he he was building his franchise at that point. He was trying to be the next Arnold Schwarzenegger and. This was the only way that he knew how to do it, you know. Like he hadn't really broken into like the comedic area yet. The not necessarily saying that he wasn't a serious actor, but he knew like, he oh, I'm just typecast. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go be the the hunky muscular guy who swings a sword for a couple of movies, and then like we'll see how that goes. So I don't know. did very well for him. So. I mean, one of the most successful actors in Hollywood to date. So yeah. one of the highest grossing actors or highest paid actors, I should say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, good for him. In terms of box office draw, I don't think there's anyone really higher than him. Oh, I'm sure there is. Like in terms of action movies or just overall? No, just in terms of like butts and seats kind of thing. You know, uh, he's pretty high up there. He's... Sam Jackson? Mm, no, no, it's not close. No, in terms of like if he were to drop a movie today, like how many people would go see it just for his name? He's got to be in the top yeah, five. That's probably true. I mean, him, maybe Tom Cruise, just because he continues with his raining of, of saving the fucking theaters actually like whole different topic of conversation there right. but yeah um but yeah anyways but he did pretty well for himself after Scorpion <laughs> King so I'm not gonna rip him too much but I've, I've just never been like that big on the rock even when he was wrestling he was so big that it made not like in size and stature but like in terms of his popularity mm-hmm. That, again, I was just kind of a contrarian, and I was kind of working my way out of wrestling. Mm-hmm. That, like, the whole, do you smell? Like, I heard that shit every day. Oh, you jabroni. Like, everyone. It was like Austin Powers by the time it got played out. Sure, sure, sure. But, sure. like, The Rocks hit me way sooner than it did almost anybody else. Sure, sure. And it was just like, yo, like, this shit's fucking annoying. Like, but, I mean, to his credit, it's sort of it's sort of indicative of how good he was that like people who weren't even wrestling fans were like, Oh yeah, I know the rock. Yeah. He does the eyebrow thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No. And good for him. Like it's his brand. But like when you're kind of from this, so uh, I was never that big on him. And yeah. so when he transitioned it, I had no appeal of being like, Oh, but it's the rock in a movie. Sure. I like, sure. I don't give a fuck. I don't watch the, the rock wrestle. Right. You know? Right. 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 Yeah. I, I, I can personally, understand that. Personally. Sure. But to his, to his credit, as a wrestling fan, he was fucking brilliant back No, he was electric, man. Like, there was plenty of, like, he was great for the sport. That's why we're still talking about it today. You love or hate the guy, he was great for the sport. So, I wasn't, um, but that's why I had never, any, like, even today, it's like I'm not going to go see a movie just because The Rock's in it. I think he's serviceable in a lot of things, but I'm not, like, that high on him. Again, but do your thing, man. Make your successes. I'm happy you, for you. What do you think is his best movie? Oh, it doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> you see, exactly. You played to my point. Anyways, what would you rate it? Uh, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna give it one overly complicated plan that could have been solved with just two people and a rope ladder. In the Scorpion King? Yeah. Explain their, that. Their final plan to like do whatever it is they got to do makes no no sense at all. Just involves way too many people. Like, their whole point is they're trying to assassinate this, like, warlord, and they steal his sorceress, and she, like, apparently, if she has sex, then she'll lose her powers, and so, like, of course, she and the rock bone, and so, like, she goes back, and she's like, oh, no, I lost my powers, but I gotta prove to to this guy that I still have my powers, because otherwise he'll kill me, so she goes through this whole, like, masquerade, 
And then in the end, it turns out she still has her powers, and she was like, oh yeah, that's just a lie we tell people so we don't get, like, molested and shit. And we were like, so if you had your powers the whole damn time, why wouldn't you... And then you could just tell him how to get to the tower and just shoot the guy, and it would have been done. It takes two people and a rope ladder. Like, you didn't have to involve, involve Michael Clark Duncan and the, like, cute plucky Oliver Twist kid from the streets and like none of these people none of them needed to be involved none of them yeah no I get it I get it I appreciate you explaining that because you gotta see the movie to really understand what I'm talking about but basically it was just an overly complicated plan that in the end they didn't need to do anyway because the sorceress was lying the whole time about losing her power so none of it mattered anyway so they make sure that they don't get molested by telling... Yeah, that does not make sense. Right. Now, Chewbacca is an eight-foot rookie. <laughs> what is he doing on the third moon of Endor with a bunch of four-foot Ewoks? That does not make sense. Anyways, what would you rate it? Oh, yeah, you already did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. One overly complicated plan. Well, what else was on your rock fest? Uh, or was that it for Rockfest? I, I think that was it for Rockfest. What else yeah. did you watch? What else have you been watching, my what brother? What else have I been watching right now? Uh, oh, recently rewatched the classic Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I saw that movie recently, and I swear we talked about it on the podcast. So if we did, I'm sorry, because we're going to talk about it again. Marcus, are you insinuating that we might discuss a movie that we've already talked about? I'm have. not only suggesting that, I'm saying I think we might, and we'll probably, without right. knowing, say the exact same points we said about it the first time. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the basis of our whole uh, hangout for the past umpteen oh, years. Yeah, fucking 30 some odd years. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, not the TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. Uh, loved it. I loved it. It's, for me, it's, it's, it's a nice little piece of nostalgia, because I actually remember seeing this movie in the theaters. I remember you saw it at Movies 8. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was we had great. A, we had a, a second-run theater here in Tallahassee that is no longer in business, unfortunately. It was my favorite theater in town called mm-hmm. Movies 8, and we were uh, low-middle-class people, so we went there a lot. But yeah. Yeah, as a kid, you don't care. It's like, fucking that's what Yeah, I'm doing. seeing a movie, what, I mean, basically it would be there two months or so after, yeah. it would, after it ended its run, but tickets were like three bucks, so who yeah. gave a shit? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I remember saw, when you saw that though. Saw Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's great, featuring the you know ever effervescent Paul Rubens. Uh, he plays the who the... moment of silence. <laughs> Rest in peace, Paul Rubens, Pee Wee himself. Yeah, he still plays one of my favorite characters in Blow, Derek fucking for real. That's right. Yeah, he's I love him. Derek. He, there was a story about him. Ted Demi uh, directed that film, or was in that film, or whatever. And um, he was telling stories about like how he would uh, 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 Paul Rubens forever would just. They were in a text chain with some people from that movie and some other. And every year on the year, he would just barrage him with gifts for his birthday, and not just like here's one or two. It was like an all day, like hey, it's your day, and just pelt him with it. So shout out to you, right on, making the world smile in more ways than one. So. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Paul Rubin in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, he plays the uh, the vampire henchman, the uh, one armed. Yeah, yeah. He uh, Luke Perry uh, cuts his arm off by running him over with his car. Or no, no, he has his arm through the sunroof and he knocks him off with a tree. Yeah, with a tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he, 
lots of puns and jokes about that like Buffy we can do anything and she's like getting ready to stake him she goes oh yeah let me hear you clap <laughs> dude when I saw it a couple weeks ago I forgot Buffy uh, sometimes 90s and 80s hot doesn't hold up Buffy was fucking her, hot yeah. dude. She, I forget the actress's name but she was uh, Kirstie Swanson yeah she's fucking hot Swanson Swampy Sam- Samsonite I was way off <laughs> thank you for that <laughs> Oh, man. That was a good one. I appreciate that. That should be on a bingo card. We forgot about your bingo cards. We never forgot. Y'all just never turned them in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who else is in that movie? Uh, oh, Donald Sutherland plays her uh, her mentor, Merrick. Medic. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, basically, the guy who like trains her in the ways of vampire killings and being, this, being the one and the slayer. By doing... Cheerleading gymnastics. Yeah. You can ultimately destroy vampires by the hundreds of thousands. Oh, let's not forget that, like, you get the PMS cramps whenever you're in the presence of a vampire. So there's always that. Oh, there is? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, remember she te- keeps talking about how she's, like, cramping. He's like, yes, that's a sign that you're near one. She's like, oh, great, my secret weapon is PMS. Oh, oh, that is right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I thought that was just literally her time of the month and, <laughs> and, and this whole event took place during her menstrual cycle <laughs> or leading up to it i learned something new today here at what you've been watching i thought he was being serious he was like oh yeah that's what happens when you're near him <laughs> okay yeah no i don't know why i didn't piece that together all these years later that movie's yeah. fucking came out in 90 fucking one yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 2023 i'm like oh yeah i was today years old oh shit well <laughs> you witnessed um knowledge he, michael's doing good older brother shit right there that's why we do it as a family here at what you've been watching <laughs> anyways menstrual cycles <laughs> uh Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland, yeah. yes. Uh, who else in that? Uh, Luke Perry mm-hmm. from 90210 fame. Uh, you know, plays the bad boy. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Uh, uh, his best friend, uh, who gets turned into a vampire, is played by... David Arquette. David Arquette, yeah. WCW world champion David Arquette. Married to Courtney Cox, David Arquette. Yeah, I don't know they still are, but yeah. Um, yeah, there was a lot of... Like, who else was in that? I feel like we're missing somebody. Oh, we are. Who? One Ben Affleck. Oh, Affleck is in that, isn't he? Yeah. In the you remember the scene where uh, the dude who got turned into a vampire goes and g- plays the basketball game or whatever. Yeah. He gets in the one face of the of the kid and goes like <sighs> like snarls and the guy just goes, "Dude, here, take it." Just hands him the ball. That's Ben Affleck. Oh man, Ben Affleck, nice. Underrated performance of the week. Goes <laughs> Ben Affleck in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Stephen Root plays the 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 principal he's awesome Um, and everything dude oh rutger hauer is the main vampire and he is delicious he is he is literally just one step away from like sweeping his his cape across his face and just being like he should (laughs) i don't really know his motivation though like did he want to bride buffy but he also like no he wanted wanted, he wanted to eventually take over or like uh dominate the humans and use them like cattle but he had to kill the Slayer in order to do that. Why he's killed the Slayer so many times before and hasn't done it, I don't think they really explain. Yeah, because she's like the bloodline. So, like, if you kill Buffy before she has a kid, or does she just get reincarnated? I, sure, yes. I don't know. Whatever. See, these are the questions that they should have done instead of the uh, gymnastics montage. 
I don't know. That was pretty badass. <laughs> now, good for them, though, man. Like, that movie was did stand for something, man. It, it Yes, she does get objectified in it, but, like, man, it was cool to see a, a girl kicking ass back in the day, man. Mm-hmm. She was one of the original to truly do it. Obviously, you got your Ellen Ripley's and your uh, Sarah Connors and mm-hmm. whatnot, but Buffy... Yeah, Buffy's she, up there, she, man. She was the, the Ellen Ripley and the Sarah Connor for, like, the tweener set. Yeah, you know? for like, sure. For, like, that age group that was, you know, maybe growing out of middle school, going into high school, that kind of thing. And, you know, somebody look somebody look up to. She was very pro-feminist, you know, very but pro-feminist in terms of, like, me, I can do this. You know, right. like, like, I can find my own inner power kind of thing. Yeah, she was never damsel in distressy or anything like that. Not I really. mean, Luke Perry came to her rescue, but it wasn't, like... Oh my God! Save me! You know? Right, right. It, he was more. He was more. Sort of inserting himself to try and be of assistance. Not that she right. necessarily so always needed, needed help. the help. Right, that's but, a good point. That's a good point. You know, yeah. But no, she's badass, man. I know you were a big fan of that movie when we were kids. I was steady in the rotation on the VH, yeah. on the VC, uh, VCR, VHS, either one. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and again, maybe it's it's a little bit of nostalgia, but I had a great time. You know, I, I, I don't know. Too. I don't know. About that, a month ago, I watched it. Yeah, I don't know that it necessarily passes for, like, I don't know that today's like, how do I put this? I don't know that that the same uh, uh, demographic that the movie was intended for back then would go for it now. Does that make sense? Like, no, I got you. Like, if it was I, supposed I think, to be for fourteen to eighteen year old girls. It def or. Yeah, something like 10 that. Ten to seventeen year olds, probably not nowadays. I, I think I think today kids are a little bit more sophisticated, um, but who knows? You know, they also like really ridiculous and you know surrealist shit like Adventure Time and you know the Show Show and all that good stuff. So who knows? You know, maybe maybe some irreverence would would really catch on. I don't know. Try it. What I'm saying is remake Buffy. Remake Buffy. There we go. Remake Buffy and let's get it back to Joss Whedon. <laughs> there's anyone who understands the female agency that's right it is joss, joss whedon <laughs> what would you rate the 1990 whatever buffy the vampire slayer michael oh i'm gonna give it uh i'm gonna give it the sound of one hand clapping well done yeah and i'm gonna, I'm gonna let that sit because you don't need mine for paul rubens right so we're gonna let that sit there uh what else have you been watching my brother Oh gosh, uh, caught me mid Cavathier. Oh, mid Cavathier. Uh, let's see. Oh, saw a documentary on Andre the Giant. I'll keep it short and sweet, but it was it was basically What's, just a, what was the name of it? Andre the Giant. Oh really? I think I've seen. Is it on Hulu? Uh, yes. I thought I, I saw it on there. I think so. I don't know either way. Anyway, just uh, covers his life and his sort of legacy and how he got into wrestling and you know, basically, basically just explains how like you don't get to the rise of Hulk Hogan without directly referencing Andre the Giant. Like, the, the, the two are inexorably linked, you know? Right. Like, the, the, they're so intertwined that, like, like it, you, you've heard, the, you've heard the, the expression, like, Andre the Giant ran or, or learned to walk so that Hulk Hogan could run. Yes. Yes. Var- I, I got you. Yeah. Sure. Anyway, but it's it's just it talks about his life and his legacy and just sort of it, it was really just kind of touching. I, I think it was only like an hour and fifteen minutes or something like that. So it's what did he pass away from? Just being a huge dude and heart problems? Pretty much, pretty much. And and yeah, it, it gets kind of sad in the third act when it talks about just how broken his body really was, and it was a because of the wrestling and just how high impact that that is, but also just like. 
his body was working against. He had, uh, I forget what, it, acrogymigdala, gymigdala or something like that. Right. But basically, it's it's gigantism. And, oh wow. And, um, today it's it's very treatable. Like it's it's they literally just go in and they cut out a small piece of your pituitary gland, and then. It just it helps regulate. I don't the mean to like cast shade or anything because I might be. Didn't doesn't Tony Robbins have that? I've heard. I don't know. It could be a complete rumor, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I know. I could be wrong. Tony Robbins like, oh fuck you! Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm just tall <laughs> asshole. I just got big teeth. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> no, uh, I know that uh, Paul Paul White, the giant, the Big Show, he had a, a similar condition, but he had the surgery when uh, he was in his like late teens, I think, early twenties. Uh, okay. So. Um, so, but yeah, apparently it, it could have been treated, but it just, it, it went undiagnosed for so long. And by the time, by the time it was caught and, and he had found a doctor that was willing to perform the surgery, he was basically like, he kind of knew he was on his way out right. anyway. And he was like, nah, I just, I don't want to do that. Like, so basically, yeah, he just, he got so big that his heart and his organs couldn't keep up and he just sort of like, they just shut down. So. Yeah. That sucks. What, I'm sure they interview wrestlers that wrestled with him at mm-hmm. the time. What was their overall thoughts on his legacy? Just what a good guy he was and how if he liked you, he would just do anything for you. And if he didn't like you, he would just make your life hell. Like if he if he didn't want to work with you in the ring, it was going to be a long night working for you. But, you know, um, they interviewed uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I guess, was real good friends with him at one point. And uh, he tells a story about how uh, he and Andre were out to dinner one time and the check came and. Basically, like he had just done some movie, I think Twins or something like that, and was like, Andre, I, I, I will pay the, for the check, and it's on me. And Andre goes, no, I pay. And he's like, no, but it's, it's on me. I will do it. it, it's for, it I will do it. This is, you're so happy right now. <laughs> and he goes, I pay. And he just lifts up Arnold Schwarzenegger like a child and sets him up on top of this like fireplace mantle and goes, I pay. And he was like, okay, you pay, boss. Yeah, fuck you gonna say then. <laughs> So it could get even more embarrassing for you real quick when I burp your ass. <laughs> you know? Bend you over and change your diet. Yeah, for real. Don't get folded up. You got show yeah. muscles. I got go muscles. That's right. That's right. That's we'll right. What's yeah. up. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But just, uh, yeah, just basically talk about how talented he was and just how, like, how it was so sad that at the end of his life, just, he was still so willing to work, but he was so limited. And, like, if you watch some of his later <laughs> matches, you'll notice he's always, like, leaning on somebody or like a lot of his a lot of his holds were just like kind of stand in place and bear hug him right and that was just because his back and his legs were so fucked up that he could barely stand so he would just literally just lean on him or he's like he's walking around he's got one hand on the top rope the whole time just trying to keep his balance but was still out there and like taking chops and taking bumps and and trying to you know trying to sell the thing you know putting asses in the seats you know andre the giant one more time right so. They didn't really take care of wrestlers like that back in the day. Either, they man. still don't really still take care of wrestlers like that. Really? Yeah. I thought it got better, but it's a multi-billion-dollar industry, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, well, when you're technically <laughs> under contract ex- for exclusivity, but you're also filed as a um, uh, contract player, kind of gets a little muddied. So yeah, like. We'll cover you if you get hurt in the ring, but all those old injuries that you take over time, good luck proving that we're directly responsible for them. Yeah, it's the whole concussion thing with the NFL. Mm -hmm. It's like, man, just do right by the people. I I agree. I agree. Especially somebody who's going to work for you for 
20 something years and put on one of the greatest spectacles ever in WrestleMania 3 and literally made you millions of dollars. Right. Maybe just don't let the guy guy die alone in a hotel room. Just a thought. Yeah, that's a pretty low bar if you ask me. Yeah. So, well, do better people, Vince or whomever the fuck's running the show now. Is it Triple H now? Oh, I don't know. Who fucking cares? For legal reasons, I don't want to comment. Right, right. right, right. <laughs> um, well, cool, man. No, I'm glad um, he got a proper send-off at least. He's a, I mean, he's a legend. Not just of wrestling. He's just a legend, period, man. Yeah. Anybody want a peanut, for sure. <laughs> That's right. So. I'll call the Brute Squad. I'm on the Brute I'm Squad. on the Brute Squad. You are the Brute Squad. Yeah. <laughs> he's great in that movie. Uh, let's see. After that, <laughs> Night's Tale. Saw Night's Tale. My friend Seth used to fucking love... Knight's Tale, and mm-hmm. he would rip on it every time. Like, oh, it's kind of corny because like they they do the wave and they do oh. like the boom boom clap. Oh, boom, it's super boom. corny. But he's, he fucking would always watch it though. It's like, super Seth, corny. We don't have to watch this if you don't like it. <laughs> you know, whatever, we rented it again. Like, no, you rented it again because you like it. <laughs> Just say you think Heath Ledger's cute, and we'll leave you alone. Yeah, and Paul Bettany. And Paul Bettany. That's right. Yeah. And uh, let's see who is uh, who is the other friend. Um, Paul Rubin. No, no, it wasn't Paul Rubin. It was uh oh, it was Alan Tudyk. That was who I was thinking of. Oh, the old Tudyk. <laughs> he's done a lot of shit. Yeah, he's. Yeah. I was close with Nathan Fillion. Yeah, done a lot of shit. Um, yeah, no, I forgot he was on that too, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's been a snap famous for a long time until he's not snap famous anymore because right. he's been in so much shit. <laughs> but yeah, what do you think about a Knight's Tale? I mean, it is it's cornball, but I mean, it's it's it's. If you've ever seen any sports movie, it's a drumline. It's it's all of the same. Yeah, yeah. Fucking, it's Rocky. It's, it's the same. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah, any given Sunday. Yeah. It, it, it's all of that, but it's just with jousting. So. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> which I mean, it's a formula that works. It's just do you have the leads to carry it? Like it's a plug and play. Like what's the subject? Oh, it's knights. Okay, you know. But, yeah, but drumline's the same thing. Just right. about. So basically, Heath Stop Ledger's yard. Yeah, Heath Ledger's character is a uh, he's a lowborn peasant who was, I guess, a page for a knight, and then the knight dies just of old age right before a tournament, so he decides to put on the armor and joust in his stead, and then sort of like, it lead, you know, one lie leads to another, leads to another, so now he's this, you know, super famous, you know, jouster named Ulrich von Lichtenstein, and, uh, yeah, and he brings his comrades with him, and they basically, it's basically, it's a con game. It's, they're, they're conning their way up the upper echelons, and then in the end, he gets rewarded by the prince who's like, you're right, you are a good person. I, I dub you a knight. And I'm like, that's not how that works historically. Nope, that's not how that works. But he has prince power. Sure. Can he just dub whoever he wants? I mean, I don't think that historically there's been many like, you know what, you're a good peasant, now you're a knight. It, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't. that's not usually how that shit yeah, works. Yeah, I wouldn't watch that movie for historical accuracy. <laughs> me putting it out there. Are you telling me that them doing the wave? And starting Queen Chant? <laughs> we will rock you? Are you telling me when they played Golden Years at the ball, that wasn't really historically accurate? It might be. David Bowie could have time traveled. That This is true. That I might put into the realm of possibility. Especially with all these alien scares going on. So... No, that's good. I mean, like I said, I've seen that movie a fair amount of times, but I have not seen it in fucking 20 years. But it yeah. was a summer that Seth was, my, my buddy Seth, same one that put me on The Ladies' Man, that <laughs> Seth, also I can connect the dots, Seth Rico. Uh, yeah, he put me on that movie a lot of times. And yeah. Again, I moderately liked it then, and I, I, still, <laughs> I moderately like it now. <laughs> like, not much Yeah, changed. it's a C-plus movie. It serves its purpose, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I don't hate on it. I get it. 
what I mean? I wouldn't have. I remember when um, I was on record, and I, Michael can actually attest to this if you choose to be honest. But when, I, uh, I know he won't. But um, when they announced the Joker, and I remember everybody shit on Heath Ledger, and they're like, "Oh, you can't fucking Knight's Tale." He's never. I was like, "You have no frame of reference. He's never played a villain." Right. Yeah, that's like, true. He has never played a villain. And I like showed. I pulled up the filmography to people. I was like, "Show me where he's played one." Oh, he hasn't. Okay, well then you have no fucking idea. Right. Like, like, don't be content prior to investigation. Like, let, give him a chance. I could see it, you know, maybe, but. Sure. Yeah. 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 Same thing with Robert Downey, though. Yeah. Like, Believe me, I've, I've learned long ago to just like we'll just wait and see how this one plays yeah. out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, still not as good a movie as Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance. <sighs> Most aren't, Michael. <laughs> Most aren't. Be a long list if we're listing all the things that are not as good as that movie. One Schindler's List. <laughs> Needs more ghost writing. Needs more go- <laughs> If the spirit of vengeance showed up and fucking <laughs> at the end of that movie, holy shit. Now that's a movie I would see. There'd be some vengeance to pay in the writings of ghosts. But anyways. Uh, anything else, man? Yes, it's been a while. Bro, that pretty much covers me. Uh, what you been watching, man? Ah, what- uh, yes, there it is. A sweet platform for me to run my mouth about some nonsense. <laughs> now, I'll make it quick. Um, not too quick, but um, just mostly catching up on some TV, man. Um, sweet. I watched, I've been on a little bit of a Danny McBride kick, as I remember I was talking about the Righteous Gemstones. Um, I went back and finished. He did a show with, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, ben Best is the one who passed away. Um, Jody Hill is the other creator of Eastbound and Down. Oh, and sure. Stuff. Yeah, Ben Best is the guy that he created Eastbound and Down with as well. He passed away, though. But um, I think they have an overall deal at HBO, them mm-hmm. and David Gordon Green. And so I went back and watched Vice Principals with um, Walton Goggins. Mm-hmm. That guy is fucking awesome. I love that guy. More of him in everything, he is, please. He, he's, he's one of those character actors that always delivers a solid performance. You know what I mean? Like, it, like I've never seen something with him in it been like, he was horrible. Like, he, he does a really, really good job of taking secondary and tertiary characters and giving them such a, like, this weird appeal. Like, like whatever character he's playing, you want to see more of that character. Even in, um, uh, what's the one... Um... Django Unchained. No, not that one. That was the other movie that he did with uh, a Sam Jackson movie that. <laughs> oh, uh, Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight. Yeah. yeah. No, even in that. Well, um, don't mind me. I'll just. He said, "I'm talking nonsense. Why don't I just lay my hat over my head and let this carriage rock me to sleep?" <laughs> like his delivery on shit when he plays country is great. Yeah, and in yeah. Vice Principals, him and Danny McBride are fucking terrible. And Danny McBride tries to. The premise of it is they are vice principals. There's a principal. They're both fighting for the job because the Bill Murray is in episode one for like three minutes. Mm-hmm. It's him retiring, and then these two fucking morons are like, yo, I'm getting it, I'm getting it, I'm getting it. And they both hate each other. You can tell off rip. And then they bring in a new principal, um, uh, this chick from Philadelphia, and they band together to usurp her and make uh-huh. her look bad so they can then it, the contest will be just between them right two. sure and so they're fucking terrible people and like danny mcbride tries to hide him being terrible of like well i'm trying to do good but like Vaughn coggins character is like no dude here let's factually look at what you did you fucking moron you did this you did that you like i'm trying to be like you like you, you guys think i'm the bad one i'm trying to be like you you're the one you're the man of action here so it's it's only two seasons and the end of season one, they get rid of the principal, mm-hmm. and then season two is just them 
another threat emerges. <laughs> it's just them going back nice. and forth. Nice. And so they're just fucking terrible people, but they end up being best friends. But also at the end of it, they're like, we can't be around each other anymore. There's way too many secrets. We can both go to prison <laughs> for life for some of the shit we've done. But um, it's them trying to keep appearances. And Danny McBride has such a certain distinct style that he writes. And it's... I think people try to imitate it, but like he, it's kind of him. Like if I want a Danny McBride type of show, mm-hmm. again, people might think it's one note or whatever. But like, just get him and his crew to do it. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, it fucking works so well. It's like these dark comedies where, like, ultimately some of the over overarching themes is like people trying to do better, but just falling into the same fucking pattern. Right, right, over right, and right. over and over. Creatures of habit who can't seem to break the cycle yeah. or get out of their and own are way. Incredibly selfish too. Right. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then yeah. want to use that selfish act that they did to parade it over somebody else. It's like, what a great guy. Right. Or put a spin on it in terms yeah. of like, yeah. controlling the narrative is fucking right. s- something right. that he does with his character so yeah. well of yeah. like very toxic personality. Like, yeah, yeah, and so incredibly toxic. But there is there the best the best example of somebody that you're still rooting for is in um, Kenny Powers in Eastbound and Down, <laughs> right? Because you you do root for Kenny, but you realize what a fucking asshole he is. Sure. You're like, it's one of those times where like Kenny, I believe what you're saying right now, but like I know the second this falls to pieces, you're gonna fuck me, and he's right. like, no, it's different now, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna give you a chance, and then he fucks you, and you're like. God damn it. Like, right, right. But it's time. Now I'm time. the asshole. Yeah, for... <laughs> yeah. And so you hate him for it, but you're rooting for him the whole time. Yeah. And that kind like of... He's, he's constantly like just this close to getting his shit getting together. Getting his shit together. He's one... And then one bad move just from like, do it or not. And he's like, fuck it. And it's yeah. something selfish. Yeah. It's like... And he crashes down his little kingdom again. Yeah. What so. is it? Uh, one oops-a-daisy erases ten attaboys. Uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's a really good way to put it. So Vice Principles is that pretty much. Um and it's but that Walton Goggins is so funny in that man good like good. he's and then uh, I, I finished that that was two seasons and then I got on to uh, I, I spoke about it earlier but oh, the, what are you going to rate it oh Vice Principals ooh um, it's not so fun being put on the spot no, is it's it? not I will give it two bullets that almost killed a man almost almost okay. killed a man uh uh, the actress and she's carried over from that uh, from Vice Principals. There's a twist at the end of season one, and this is kind of what propels season two. There's a um, there's a twist where they finally get the principal out of town because they fucking burn her house down, <laughs> like they ruin her life. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> but then they they hardball her with something, <laughs> so they blackmail her to get her out of town. And at the very end, the final scene of season one. Is Danny McBride is walking to his car to go look at the American flag, which is the the principal's job to raise that every morning, and he gets shot by somebody by a masked um, gunman. Okay. And so season two is all about them figuring out who shot Danny McBride. Okay. And like all signs point to logically, like he goes on this giant quest and he even hunts down the principal who moved back to philadelphia who he burned her house down he's like you fucking moron who benefits it from the most is the guy who wants the fucking job the first time why wouldn't it be walton goggins like why wouldn't it be it's it's just this quest of fucking stupidity the whole time what's the most logical answer to that one you dumb dumb yeah and and she pretty much rises above she's like I'm not even going to fuck with you guys or press charges because you're going to get what's coming to you. Yeah, and right. So right, like, right. You got shot, and now you need a cane for the rest of your life. So, yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Um, 
But no, I will give it two bullets that almost killed a man. But there's mm-hmm. a, a female in there. I forget her name, golly. It's Edie something. Uh, Edie Patterson. That was in Vice Principals, and she carries over to the next show I watched, which was called The Righteous Gemstones. Mm-hmm. I've talked about it as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. They just finished up season three. I haven't done, but I did finish seasons one and two. Fucking great, man. She brings the heat yeah. in all the shit she does, man. She plays batshit crazy better than anyone. <laughs> and, um, and if there's one thing you know, know about batshit crazy woman, it's, it's holler at me. <laughs> Learn from my mistakes, but hey. Um, hey, look, I didn't, I didn't help because hey, we all have a type. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, not you, Angie. We love you. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, it's I like righteous gemstones and the fact that it's still very. The premise of it is once again just to rehash it a little bit. It's uh, John Goodman, um, Danny McBride, Danny McBride, Adam Devine, Adam Devine, and Edie Patson mm-hmm. play the gemstone family, and it's a mega church, and they're demons, and they're their bullshit as to who's going to seize the power of the church when, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the dad, Johnny Goodman, John, yeah, John Goodman. I said Dan Aykroyd. Um, he's lost a lot of weight looking kind of Dan Aykroyd. Is it really? Yeah, he's lost a lot. Right on. Yeah. But no, John Goodman is stepping down from the church and season two was like, all right, who's going to take over. But the thing that's great about this show is that Danny McBride has such a respect for the audience of like, I don't know how long, I'm going to be able to do this series just because shit gets canceled with the sure. streaming and this and that. They can right. go, well, writer strike, this, that, the other. Yeah, yeah, it's not profitable for us to do it anymore and just to keep it on streaming, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, he wraps each season up in a bow where if that's what you get, if you, the end of season one, everything's tied up. There's really, right. there's loose ends, but they're not necessary. Like you could continue them if you want. Sure, but sure. The main thing. Like he doesn't end it on a cliffhanger or something. No, nah, like everything's yeah. wrapped up and it, that's, everything's that's smart, self contained. Yeah. So. It's really cool. Um, I, I dove into season three thinking that they dumped all the episodes all at once. And so I got into season six and I was like, looked down and some completely different show was playing. I was like, what the fuck? Go back to check. I was like, damn it. <laughs> I outpaced the season. So I didn't know that though. I didn't check. That's the worst. Yeah. Like, like, you mean I got to wait? No. But no, I would, again, man, there's a specific style to Danny McBride and it, it's fucking really good, man. Mm-hmm. Like, and. I look at all the people in these shows and I'm like, just looking at the cast of like, hey, who's in it? This person, this person, this person. Yeah, I'd watch it. Sure. I'd watch it. Okay, yeah. I like Danny McBride. Okay, I like Adam Devine. Of course, I like John Goodman. I like uh, Edie, whatever, Pattinson, Patterson, whatever her name is. I'm sorry, I'm butchering your name. Um, I saw her in the other show. I'm like, yeah, she's fucking funny. Oh, you got Eric Andre to come in and play? Yeah, oh, let's yeah. do that. Oh, that's cool. You got uh, this other, uh, Walton Coggins plays... John Goodman's wife dies. Okay. And that's that's she was the yeah, mother. That's the, that's the impetus for the whole like the mother thing, of the right. gemstone right, family. Right. Yes. Yeah. She was like the behind the scenes like glue that glue, was keeping absolutely. It all together. Right. She, he plays Walton Goggins plays her brother. Uh huh. Named Baby Billy. Baby Billy. Baby Billy, and he's a grown man with white hair, and he's still Baby Billy. <laughs> and they call him Uncle Baby Billy the whole time, like Uncle, Uncle Baby, Baby Billy. Billy. Which cracks that's some real southern shit. Right that's some there. real. <laughs> which cracks me up because. My cousin Steven, his daughter calls me Uncle Cousin to this day. It's like, oh, Uncle Cousin. Like, it's just stuck. Um, so it's, yeah, but it's Baby Billy. And he fucking crushes it as like this two bit washed up. He used to sing like children's faith songs with his, oh. with his sister. Like, like a Raffy kind of thing? Or like kind a, of, yeah. But like, Miss B. Haven. They were like a traveling partridge family fucking. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Singing about Jesus. And Jesus, the, and, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, and kind of shit. And he's so washed up, but he wants his shot at glory again. And he's like, I am a commodity. I am not no washed up has-been. I am a damn commodity to the people of this church in, the, in this state. And he just won't let it go. And he's, <laughs> and he's such a fucking asshole. <laughs> it's all about like the duplicity, you know, of people that are in church and their fucking secrets that they have. And, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of close to home, but... Yeah. Last one at the club on Saturday. First one at church on Sunday. So I wanted to give him a shout out. He's my underrated performance of the week in all of these roles that he's played. So, yeah, Walton Coggins, man. Fucking Baby Billy. That's Uncle (laughs) Baby Billy. Um, Cool. Yeah, I recommend all three of those shows, uh, whether it be Righteous Gemstones, Vice Principals, obviously Eastbound and Down. Anytime I get sad, I just type in Will Ferrell, Eastbound and Down. (laughs) gag reel about <laughs> my plums and all that shit gets me feel it deep down, deep in, my down plums. in my plums turn a purplish hue yep like they're ready for ready for going to market yeah fresh, Listen fresh, from, sun. From, fresh from farm to table he said <laughs> ashley Schaefer bmw i said no let, let the boy yeah. watch let the boy watch has been said <laughs> thousands of times i can't i can't even express to you how many times we've said that in the kitchen it's the fucking greatest, dude. Hey, does anybody want to learn expertise? I said, no. Let the boy watch. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I would rate Righteous Gemstones. I think I rated it previously, but I'm going to give it um, three private jets. Three. Three private jets. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's great. Yeah, that's hey, great. I was pulled from the source. I didn't write that. But hey, wish I did. <laughs> uh, the last thing I watched was the Emmy-winning uh, sports documentary, Welcome to Wrexham. Oh, with uh, Rob Malkahiney and uh, Deadpool. Yeah, Deadpool. Bro. Uh, uh, Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Ryan Felipe. Ryan. Yeah. Ryan Dunn. Ryan Dunn. Yeah, no. Uh, but no, it's, I don't want to, there's a lot of points that I'm going to say that we've already talked Reynolds, about. Reynolds, that's his yeah, name. Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of other Ryans that weren't correct, but you hit most of them too quickly. Um, I'll say it though, I mean, it's it's a really great documentary, and it's it is the one thing that I care about in sports, and we've talked about it a lot, so I won't harp, spend too much time on it. But the importance of this football club to this town of Wrexham sure. is what the driving force of this show is. They do follow the ups and downs of the seasons, the wins, the losses. Because ultimately, this is what people don't realize, is that why grown men and all this stuff can get into sports. Yes, it is a gladiator sport. Yes, but really, it's the storylines. It's the storylines of sports. Whether like, oh, if this team wins but this team loses, this team is then eligible for second place. And in second place, you can get a shot at the title in the tournament. We'll get a one seed. And then we can play at home for the playoffs. Like, oh no, it's 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 pro it's, wrestling one one. It's, it's, it's fucking. I've seen these two fight together, and he's always won in this way, and he's never right. won under these under this condition. So now they, this is going to be the one that's going to settle it all. Or like, right. well, he's he attacked him a year you know a year ago and got injured. Now he had to go through, and like now he's back. Or you know what I mean? Like right. it's, it's 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 the it's, drama of like. It's reality TV is, is what it is yeah. with, with fucking blood sport in between. And that's what it is. And no matter what you think about, well, I just don't like it. Like, most people get invested in the story. That's why there's fucking 
You could turn on a, there's four different channels right now, or more than that, at least four different channels right now on satellite radio. Each one of them all dedicated to talking about sports. Right, right. Because people Plans, like strategies, what they should do, not what just they that, shouldn't but do, just the opinions, this, that, the other. The news of, oh, what happens if LeBron James moves to, from LA? What, where does his legacy lead? Like, dumb shit, because people care about the storylines of sports. And some of these people, like I said, they're, they're grown men, and it's yeah. weird because, you know, Rob McElhaney talks about his love for the Philadelphia Eagles, and one of the reasons why he was invested in Wrexham was, like, they kept asking him, why this club? Why this club? Mm-hmm. And he was like, I want to do something that's obscure, that it means something to somebody. It's the third third or fourth oldest uh, football operating football club in Europe, or mm-hmm. maybe the world. I can't remember what the stat is, but really old club. We ain't here for facts. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Yeah, wild <laughs> speculation podcast. But the point being of it all is, is it's... It means so much to this city, and yes, they do follow the ebbs and flow of the season, and it's a great storyline in sure. terms of how it plays out uh, for at least season one. Um, I won't spoil it, but it's been all over the news. But you know, how soccer works. The whole they buy the club, and it's they're taking them from in in the in the English football league. It's you go from this tier to this tier to this tier, and if you lose, you get relegated. You sure. get you get knocked down a peg, and if you win, if you're in the top one or two or four or whatever it is, you move up to the next league. Sure, and then from that league, if you go to number one, you go up to the Premier League, and sure. that's like where your uh, Manchester Uniteds and your Chelseas and all that. Right, is. right, right. So where Beckham dwells. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And so their goal is to take them from the league they were in, which is one near the bottom, sure. and bring them all the way up to the Premier it, League. Like I said, it's 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 a it's 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 the sports monomyth of scrappy underdog fighting their way to the top, and all the trials and tribulations that lie in between. Yeah, you know? like. We started here. We're trying to go to here. How do we do? How that? do we do What's, that? We need a montage. Yeah. Montage. And that thirteen or whatever how many episodes it is, this thirteen episode season is that montage. And yeah. it's it's very cool to watch. Mm-hmm. In the terms of, it's so cool in the idea of like I know what it's like to go for a sports team that you're like, for example, like the Philadelphia Flyers right now. They're just like they're just dog shit. Like they just hired somebody as their head of operations that has zero background in fucking managing a hockey team. So you're telling me that the pure charm and charisma of Gritty isn't enough to propel not him enough the to, championship? No, he's excellence. But <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying but like we've all whether you do or don't, you 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 go for a team that you're like to watch them suffer as it was. Like, you know, Florida State when they've gone through their mm-hmm. bad years, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people jump off the bandwagon. Um but the people that oh, No, st- I bleed Garnet and Gold. Me too, homie. Me too. But like the people that stay for it that's who this show is for. The people that fucking get it. And they, yeah. the people that cuss out your coach off of one loss. They're like, man, fuck, this guy's a fucking bum. And then next week when you win, you're like, I knew it. I knew it. if I just pushed him hard enough. Like, and <laughs> Me personally, if I pushed him yeah, hard enough from the stands. This like, sense of bo- you've never met him before, sir. You've not taken a snap on this field ever, <laughs> and you won't. And the idea that there's a sense of belonging. Do they have snaps in soccer? They do. On the pitch. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. I'm in football, <laughs> soccer, same shit. Don't. Don't question Your metaphors are confusing. Whatever. <laughs> Sports. Whatever. Sports. Ah! But the point being, like, the investment that these people have and, like, the, the ownership, for lack of, of a better word, that sports fans feel in their yeah. team yeah. is fucking so real. And so it's that is really the heart of the show. And it's also a much so about Ryan and Rob are in it as well. But mm. it's kind of them, like, forming a new friendship because they had never met in person until they fucking bought the club. And yeah, so, didn't one of them send just just send a text like, "Do you want to buy a football club or something like yeah, that?" Yeah, the like, joke is joke. like, I had TV money, I needed 
movie money. I needed Deadpool money. I needed uh, Aviation Gen money. I needed uh, somebody who owns their own cell phone company money to be my partner in this. And so he did. And so it's kind of like their friendship explained. And they they two grow to love each other very much. And also just kind of keep up with the players and their stories and stuff like that. And just the town itself. And it's very cool because it does show a little bit more soccer than like Ted Lasso did. But it Mm. still is very much so about the impact of this club and how much it means to this small group of people in wales sure and it's it's kind of dope to watch man so i i fully recommend it i would give it um i don't know how many of those little octagonal things are on a soccer ball so i'm gonna guess 28 of those that's what i would rate 28 28 of those 28 of the little octagons that are on the soccer ball no i know what you're talking about you know what i'm saying yeah i think there might be 32 but this is getting to 28 there's probably a lot more than 32 Ah. Can't be. Write us in at what you've been watching. What you've been watching, if you know the answer to that question. It might be 64, but you're getting 28, and that's a good score. But No, I dug it, though, man. It's It got nominated for a lot of Emmys, and it's it's well-deserving. It's a really good documentary. So good. They have really funny interludes, too, where they're like, get to know whales. And the whole episode is just about them like talking about the language, the cuisine, the sights to see, the story well, the, of it all. The world-famous Welsh cuisine. Whatever. Let me guess. Be. Boiled and salted everything. <laughs> You're not too far from the truth. <laughs> they do talk about, so they show two things that you can make. And, uh, but yeah, they just kind of tell the story of it all. And they have a little funny interludes and stuff like that that cool. they do throughout it. And they're only like 30 minutes a piece, I think, the episodes. So. Cool. And you said it's like, what, 8 to 10 episodes? I think it's 13 episodes, okay. about okay. 30 minutes a piece. So. Okay. A lot of F-bombs in it, too. So Great. Good, good for that. you, FX. Fuck yeah. FX has taken a lot of fucking liberties with what the fuck they can say. Because I think Disney... It's just kind of like, look, if we can't put it on Disney Plus, it's going to it's you. It's going on FX, right? So, For yeah. sure. So, uh, on that note, I got nothing else. That's, I'm pretty much caught up. We're gonna talk Barbie, though. Oh, we got one thing we need to talk oh, about. Oh man. Oh, the pink nightmare that is the Barbie movie. But first, let's take a quick break. Let's 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 hear from the sponsor, yeah. And our sponsor this week is the Sun Level in Super Mario Brothers Three. The sun in Super Mario Brothers 3, because sometimes art imitates life. Welcome to BearCast. Today we're talking about how hot it was on the trail. <laughs> I had to dig a hole, and then I didn't want to move out of it for like 15 minutes, because it was hot. And the hole was cold. The sun's trying to kill me. Again, Super Mario Sun <laughs> from Super Mario Brothers 3. You know the level where the sun attacks you and is like, every time your back is turned, it's trying, trying to like to swoop, down, swoop and down on you? That's the Florida that's heat the right now. Florida heat right now. <laughs> yeah, it had record highs across the globe. It's like one of being the, one of the hottest summers ever. And I forget who it was. Somebody did a poll and it was... Um, it was a really uh, trusted source and I wish I could remember the fucking name of it, but it was on like NPR and a bunch of other stuff. But... um. They asked, is it hotter, does this summer feel hotter than past summers, or hotter than usual, whatever yes. the question was. And almost, ex- like, down the line, almost fucking, like, almost damn near 100%, it af- your answer to it affiliated with your party line. Oh, really? Which is just fucking sad. It meant we had, like, no faith in the world. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so, yeah. so all the conservatives were like, yeah, it's not no, that hot. I remember some hotter summers, They're like, Record-wise, it's one of the hottest summers. I think it is the Consistently, in terms of, like, number of hot days consecutively. Yeah. I know that yeah. six days in a row was a fucking killer, but uh, whatever. Oh, where the entire country was having, like... The whole world was, was like, having 108-degree temperatures? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, it was just sad when I saw that. I was like, there's no hope for us. Yeah. We can't get out of our own way for political affiliations. <sighs> but anyway, so it's brought to you by the sun. It'll melt us before we get there. So let's talk about a non-controversial movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that really toes the party line. <laughs> <laughs> so we both saw... Uh, well, first off, you saw Oppenheimer. So we do need to talk about that. I did. the Barbenheimer movement is real. I'm very glad that it is, man. Uh, and we'll just talk about the weekend of Barbenheimer real quick before we get into... We're going to talk about the Barbie movie. Um, it's very cool in the sense of like it proves that people are willing to go out to movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole movement itself started as a meme of like Barbenheimer, where were you? And then the meme took off and became a life of its own. And in that process, it became the fourth highest grossing weekend for movies. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, of all time. Behind, uh, I'm, I'm sure probably like the premiere of Avatar, it probably was, beat it, probably Endgame it might have. In, Endgame, Infinity War... Um, uh, Force Awakens. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, and then Barbenheimer is the fourth. Yeah. So it became something all its own. Um, granted, Barbie is now inching towards the $1 billion Oh, mark. no, cross the $1 billion mark. That's right, that's right. Yeah, cross the $1 Oh, billion yeah, mark. yeah, million dollar, billion dollar club. Yeah, so good for you. Um, but it just shows that people are willing to go to the movies, and it's certainly not dead. Um, not only that, but like people are starved for IP, man. It's not just... We were talking about a little bit with like the machine, how like that, it was stupid the fact that they made the machine go up against, um, uh, what's his name's movie, um, Sebastian Maniscalco's yeah. movie. When it's like, so that one did four and a half million, the other one did four million. If you guys would have waited two weekends or, or a weekend or one before, you could have crushed and had eight each, million. Each could have had eight. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, which is yeah. a better start to it all, but like to compete against themselves. And people want to shit on those movies, but then they, at the same breath, oh, that movie fucking sucked. And then when these, you know, giant franchises come out, like whether it be Fast and Furious or mm-hmm. the Marvel mm-hmm. fatigue, people tell these fucking superheroes movies ruined everything. Right, right. When they right. Go it's all the same shit. No, 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 yeah, no, no, no. go pay for well, something. So is so is the Fast movies. So yeah. is like every. So is every uh, uh, Christopher Nolan movie. Right. Like it's all the same shit, yeah. and yet somehow that has value over the other thing? Like, no. Like, just go see the thing that you like. and and Or just take a fucking gamble. Go see something that you want to support. You're like, oh, I like small independent comedy movies. Sure. Okay, well, that one sucked, but at least I spoke with my money to the studio saying there's a market for this. Sure. Eventually, if they keep seeing the money here, they're going to fucking find a formula that works and one of those is going to be a fucking home run. And that's I how mean, you get your wedding crashers. That's how you get your old schools. That's how, how you get, get your, your Kevin fucking, Smith. How you yeah, get your Richard Linkletters. How you get your yeah, so. uh, Robert Rodriguez's. Yeah, all your, that shit. Like all that. Well, I, mean, I mean, I was just sticking to comedies, but yeah. Well, no, no, but, but, but still, like the, the same idea of like consistent directors that, hey man, if you give me a movie, I can guarantee you, like, Kevin Smith has always said that, like, if you give me $6 million, I can guarantee you six, $16 million. Right. Which, is is it a blockbuster? No. But I've covered my expenses and I made you guys a little bit of money and it keeps me in the game a little bit longer. Right, right. So, that's my point, is just to support things. But this, the weekend of Barbenheimer really did show that, like, yes... Barbie is a franchise, yes. There's more Barbie, probably I would think more Barbie DVD movies than damn near any other single franchise out there. Maybe like My Little Pony or some other stuff. Yeah. It's got to be up there though, man. Yeah, you you might be right on that in terms of just 
Barbie's Princess Adventure, Barbie Mini. Yeah, just like, little thirty to thirty to sixty minute kid movie, like, just just kids movies. Why seven? Keep movie? cranking yeah. them out, cranking them out, cranking yep. them out. Like because they're at this point with the with CGI being what it is, like yeah, it's all cheap to make. There, there's hundreds of them. Yeah, I, I've one somebody I date. Yeah. I I think maybe you might be right. Maybe My Little Pony is a is a second, but. Probably a distant second. Yeah, but so Barbie is a hundred percent a franchise, but still, it's a new franchise, new to at least major motion picture. You know what I mean? Sure. So the fact that people show up for it in droves is very cool. Same thing with Oppenheimer. Yes, you do have the built-in Christopher Nolan audience, but the fact that people are like, "Hey, we're going to make both of these movies singularly" is one thing. Mm-hmm. Together, it's bigger than both. Of, it's way bigger than the sum of its parts. Sure, sure. And it's fucking really cool to be a part of. So shout out to everybody who went and saw at least one of those movies or both of those movies. I didn't do a double feature. I went one weekend and the next. But, that's all right. That's all right. But, so I, I have not seen Oppenheimer. So, I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with the historical story of it in terms of it's the man who created the atomic bomb and sort of, the, forgive the pun, but the fallout of yes. his emotion of, of realizing that he had forever changed the world and that, like, warfare would never be the same kind of thing. Yeah, human tra- the trajectory of humans would never be the same, and it's the burden of you've officially made... Part of it is, like, can you make the bomb big enough where we can ensure peace forever? You know? And that's part of the question. And then secondly, it's like you've also given humans the means to destroy themselves now. Sure. Right, right. Yeah. You, you've so, essentially created the sword of Damocles that's yeah. hanging over the neck of humanity forever at this right, point. Right, And like, the, the like, goal was to like... It's so easy to push the button, but we can't push the button. Right, right. So it's it's really a really... Fun, I, I will say I truly think it is Christopher Nolan's best movie. Really? Yeah. Some people he still can't... Dunkirk? Dunkirk I think is pretty high up there too. But Dunkirk... He he does the same thing that he does in all those movies. Pretty much all of his movies mm-hmm. is he play he he just can't do a linear storytelling. Yeah, just damn near to time, save his life. Playing, yeah, this one saw, he saw Pulp Fiction and was like, "That's how you do a movie. That's how you do every movie." <laughs> yeah. um, this one it does kind of jump around in the timeline, and there's two stories going on. There's two trials going on. Ultimately, one is whether he's going to keep his like head of the board of something, and the other is somebody else trying to. Uh, his own trial going on where he's telling the story of Oppenheimer. So it's kind of two and a third timeline jumps in briefly. Okay. But um, it's kind of, it still is convoluted, but in my personal opinion, it's, it's him. It's the most out of his way in terms of storytelling, lin- uh, linear storytelling or nonlinear storytelling, I should say okay. that I've seen him um, short so of the dark going, night. He's going out of his way to sort of like play with time. And like this sequence happens before that sequence, but after this one and yeah, I never felt lost as to the, as to the events. I wasn't like, Oh, did this happen before or after or anything? Like I felt pretty in tune with it. And he kind of just weaves every, like the, the nonlinear structure kind of around the underlying, like, Hey, here are the events. Okay. So a, a, a little, so less memento. A lot less memento, more... A little bit better than The Prestige in terms... Well, actually, I think that also might be one of his best movies. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, um, the Pre- Shout out to Hugh Jackman. Yeah, The Prestige <laughs> gets in its way a little bit. But this movie, not so much. Like, Interstellar, I like, but that movie's a fucking... I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, everyone talks about the science of it. That's cool, that's cool. Yeah, when, once it reaches the, the third act, it does kind of become like this surrealist, like nihilist sort of... 
existential crisis of, of yeah. or, or just like what is life what is humanity what is time and it's like yo dude just tell me how i'm supposed to feel about this movie yeah it's it's a little and obviously inception is, is i just want to feel all right all right all right <laughs> right and inception is a good movie but it gets lost in itself and it was a half remembered dream i'm gonna do michael's heard this joke a million times here's my impression of christopher nolan pitching inception <laughs> To Legendary Studios and Warner Brothers. Go. Alright, so I got this idea for this movie, alright? It's a dream, but dreams in the dream time, time slows down, but then you go inside that person's dream, and you're inside the dream, inside the dream, <laughs> but you can plant an idea in the dream, and in the dream, that idea, you, you incept it into his life. But if you go inside the dream in which you're dreaming in, you slow it down even more. And Warner Brothers goes, very good, Chris. When do we get Batman 3? <laughs> uh, I love that Christopher Nolan was played by Chev Chelios. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but sure. <laughs> he was the guy from Crank. Uh, uh, Jason Statham. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess so, yeah. But no, uh, Oppenheimer, I think it, it... I'm not trying to like dick ride anybody else's review of it, but I. It's somebody kind of had hinted in so many words that like... It kind of took the other movies that he did to get to this point, and I can sure. I can I can agree with that. And I think if we're lucky, we might be seeing Robert Downey Jr. get an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting. Oh, I think good. It's it's the type of movie that the Academy would like with the sweet with the star power to do it. I, for a second, I thought you were going to be like, and we're going to get a sequel called Oppenheimer Two: The Rebombing. Yeah, no, it's uh, but no, it's just they're, a, they're gonna bring in uh, Ron White to play as, or who, God, who would it be? Oh, it would be somebody ridiculous, like, oh, just to throw the franchise away, you yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, no, it would be one of the Belushi brothers or fucking oh, Chris Farley, yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, one of the non funny ones, by the way, <laughs> non funny yeah. ones. Oh, well, let's be real. <laughs> I'm I'm not. I would do the same movies that the Belushi brothers did, not yeah, or Chris Farley's brother did. Make a name for yourself. Get your ticket while it's hot. But come on, man. Let's be real. The wrong kid died. <laughs> the wrong kid died. Anyway, oh, that's gonna be fun to cut uh, later. Yeah. Um, I just spiked that one. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, but no, Oppenheimer. I I really do recommend the wrong it. Wrong kid. Died. <laughs> It's for real here. That tickled the shit out I'm of me. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Okay. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, Oppenheimer. No, I, I really do recommend it. Um, uh, Emily Blunt's really good in it. Um, Florence Pugh is seductive in it, to we say the least. You see her boobies. You do get to see her boobies more Some than once. Pubies. <laughs> Florence Pugh. I, I see what you did there. Right. Um, yeah, but... Uh, now you're stuck on pubies, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, it was a good one. <laughs> But no, it's a, she's incredible. Like, the whole cast is really good. I shouldn't just name off one by one. Everyone's really good in it. Sure. Killian Murphy is incredible. Um, but he's in everything. It's yeah, not right? a lot of action. It's if you, really the action is in the dialogue. They explain, like, this is what's going on. It's, they don't show you, like, oh, we have a breakthrough. Because really what it would be was just be a bunch of fucking dudes sitting around a chalkboard going, like, and then printing notes and then a lot. They don't show any of that. They sure, just fast sure. forward it's, to, like... It, the this action, happened, what's the reaction? The action would be like, they work out the math equation, they go, oh shit, we can do that? Yeah, and if you're not into math, they still lean into some of that. It's very heavily implied in terms of like, they, they bring up terminology that 
somebody was a somebody some reviewer was saying his wife was a, a physicist i believe a nuclear mm-hmm. physicist and like they were talking about some of the particles in which they can sh- uh the housing unit for the nuclear mm-hmm. bomb and like they were like she got all giddy about it like ooh, and then the germans went down the wrong path and they studied to do it underwater and that was wrong and we were actually had a head start on them so the six months in advance that they did have on us we we made up that lost right. time for them right there and it's like a throwaway line so once again you you got to understand like so nerd shit Chris Nolan does his fucking homework. Like he doesn't always present the information well, but he does his homework. You can't say he doesn't. You know? Oh no, so, no, no. He's so. But I, I fully recommend it. it I wouldn't be surprised um, whether it's you agree with it or not. I wouldn't be surprised if it won Best Picture. Like it's. it's I think maybe it might have a strong contender with the next one I want to talk yeah, about. But yeah. uh, well, let me know when you watch Oppenheimer. Which I I don't necessarily know if it's going to be the best movie of the year. I'm just saying it's something. Sure, the, it's, it's something very, the Academy is going to gobble yeah, up. Absolutely, like, absolutely. Yeah. It, it is very much an Oscar like yeah. grab. The yeah. Academy salivating like, ooh, it's historical and it's got all the famous people in it and they're all the best actors and it's this brilliant director and wow. And in typical Chris Nolan fashion, he there is technologies. <clears throat> excuse me, there is a lot of. Um, technology used and not only just like they preserve technology but create technology for the film Oppenheimer which oh like the the abyss cameras or the yeah yeah yeah, okay. or, yeah something like James Cameron would do or somebody like uh, Alfonso Curson sure so, yeah, yeah. so he, they do and he shoots it specifically on film for IMAX so it's like a cinematographer's kind of wet dream too mm, you know right. any director of photography is going to look at it and go like oh this is fucking really pretty so yeah, there's apparently- a lot there's a lot of bait there that the the Academy's probably going to take. So. so apparently the the movie is just like burning up IMAX cameras because the reel is like 10 miles long. Oh, I don't know. Like, yeah, they, they've, they've shown behind the scenes images from like IMAX theaters and the reel that the movie comes on is, I mean, 12 feet across in diameter. Shit. And they're like, yeah, this thing like unspooled would be like I forget what it says maybe a mile and a half or something like that or or like a mile and a quarter or something like that but like it's literally a mile of film footage and it's burning through cameras oh wow so there's this whole outrage of of IMAX viewers who are like well I got to see half the movie and then they were like sorry our film fucked oh yeah I hadn't heard that but yeah Yeah. that's that's wild shit man um yeah no fucking see it when you can then (laughs) I will say. So, what are you gonna get it? What's what's the rating? I, just real quick, there. The I won't spend too much time on it because it would spoil it. Um, I'm pretty sure we know how the story works. Well, no, out. no I don't mean that. But it's <laughs> I, I can't describe it. But obviously, the big point, like the the sale of the movie ticket, is like the testing of the nuclear bomb mm-hmm. and when they test it is. They claim that there's no CGI or anything like that because it's lazy. And I'm very interested to see. And Christopher Nolan probably won't reveal it, but how they did that shot. Mm-hmm. Because to see that in IMAX, it I was underwhelmed only because I had heard the hype. It's fucking incredible. You must see it in IMAX. So I was expecting this like gobsmacked, sure. like oh my sure. god, I'm so glad I paid Religious the extra experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, and it isn't that, at least in my opinion. But it is still very fucking cool. Okay. And it's it's very to do things what I think uh, on the subatomic level to show them at that scale. It's pretty fucking rad. Like there's a constant. One of the ongoing themes is like when Oppenheimer is is in thought or anything like that. There's always like this world beyond the world. Like it's he'll be in thought and in the overlaid over his mind or kind of on the foreground or whatever. There's electrons whirring, sure, you know, sure. or 
things vibrating at a at a at a subatomic level that is kind of you can almost see him being distracted by the hum of it all, and it's huh. there's like, a lot of like uh, like listening to music when you're when you're writing or 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 a little bit a little bit um, like or he's background, troubled by background it. television noise or something like that. Yes, but he, you can see there's a sense of trouble on his face about it all. Okay. As, and there's a, whoever plays Albert Einstein in the movie is fucking awesome because he's not in it much but whoever wrote the script for him he has some like yoda like shit that you really have to kind of sink your teeth into to be like oh yeah like they're going to chew me up and spit you out do they have a line where he says no shit einstein no damn wasted opportunity i know i know know. (laughs) talk to me chris nolan i'll punch up the script i'll punch up the script um so i would give it um the review of Truman having to make a very tough decision twice. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'll do. Okay. We'll, we'll leave it there. Okay. So. Okay. So, yeah. Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Barbie. Uh, existential dread wrapped in pink and slathered in commercialism. So Is that the tagline? I mean, it should be. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. I don't know. I really like we, it. We can get into it. But yeah, yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. Before we say anything, let me just interject real quick. Sure. I'm going to use an analogy. I'm a diehard Florida State fan. I'm a diehard Eagles fan. Sure. Either one of those teams can win, win a game. Mm-hmm. And I can still go and be critical of it. And it doesn't mean that I'm not a fan of it. Sure. So I can like something and still be critical of it. So before anyone thinks we're just going to shit on this movie or anything like that, we both just said how much we liked the movie. Yeah. I liked it a lot. You right. had a smile on your face. I know it didn't translate to podcast, but right, right. he said he liked it. So we are going to be a little critical of it. Please don't get your all worked up right. about but it. But you can be critical of something and still, and still like enjoy it. the shit of it. Like I said, if the Eagles win on Sunday... And they had six turnovers. I'm going to go like, well, fuck, we won. But goddamn, there's a lot to clean up. You sure. know what I mean? I can still be critical of the performance. So yeah, that exactly. being said, exactly. neither one of us is anti-Barbie. So Michael, by all means, please, the floor is yours. Yeah, Barbie. So basically, uh, Barbie wakes up in her little Barbie dream house and starts having all these existential feelings of, you know, death and dread and regret and... It kind of interrupts her whole Barbie lifestyle of just living life and cruising the cruising down the street in your little pink Corvette and going to your you know your job and and making the best Barbie you can be, and so she learns that she has to go into the real world in order to find the girl that is playing with her doll to influence her and change her mind in order to like win her back to the Barbie lifestyle. Yeah, the, the whoever's playing with the doll's negative emotions is rubbing off on her and it's making her have cellulite and not be so quote-unquote perfect or whatever. Right, right, is really right. what it boils down to. Yeah, so yeah. she ventures to the real world to solve the issue and yeah, so. And then... Uh, Hilarity ensues. Yeah, Ryan Gosling uh, attaches himself, Ken attaches himself and says, I'm going with you, Barbie. And she's like, okay, sure, but you're kind of useless. And he's like, I know. Which, by the way... In this movie, Matthew, our middle duds, has a uh, he was we gave him a free one to put up on the Watchmen Watching Hall of Fame wall up there with Jeremy Renner, up there with Justin Long, uh-huh. a couple other people. I can't remember them all right now, but I can go look. Matthew put Ryan Gosling, aka Baby Goose, up there. 
I want to corroborate his uh-huh. and solidify his movement to the I Hall agree. of Fame after this movie. I agree. Because I'm not trying to be mean, but he fucking stole every scene he was in. Absolutely. He's fuck- Margot Robbie is great. Will Ferrell is absolutely hilarious, but Baby Goose, that's the one He's- to watch. It's not even an underrated performance. This is just a salute. Oh, it's overrated. This is it like is, it is over the top. It is so good that you're like, this is just delicious. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So I wanted to give a big shout out. Thank you, Matthew, for moving him up there before you were ahead of our time. You have a permanent placement in the yep. Casa Dojo, Mojo Dojo Casa House. Mojo Dojo Casa House. <laughs> I love the fact that he he named everything twice. So Mojo Dojo Casa House is completely redundant, and then he would say things like, "I'm a sports athlete." Right. Or yeah. he would say, like, will you be my bride wife? <laughs> <laughs> Brewski beers, all that shit. Very funny thing to know. So. His, his comedic time is great. is just beach. Beach. He's like, I'm not a lifeguard, contrary to popular belief. He's like, I'm going to the real world. You can't go. What if there's beach? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he um, he was great. But anyways, um, the, there's a lot of themes in the movie that we can talk about, and we all know really what you're here for. You've been waiting eagerly to hear the opinion of two straight white men in their 30s and 40s about the Barbie movie. We know. But we know. what do the white men what think? What do the white men think? That's what we need to know. We hear what you've been watching. We'll not let you wait any longer. We're here to deliver the sauce for you. No, we understand. With us <laughs> dropping this, it is official. This is the end-all, be-all. There will be no opinions after this. Look, white people, from this point forward, you can just refer back to this podcast. We got you. This is the definitive one. You don't have to talk about it anymore. We'll wrap it up all the loose ends right here, right now. And if we left it out, we left it out on purpose, because fuck it. That's how we roll here. But Marcus, I think you left out the... No, no. Go back to the podcast. Is it in there? No? Nope. Then I'll talk about it. Right. Anyways. um, There's a lot of themes of feminism... Mm-hmm. Very pro. Um, not only just here at what you've been watching, but this movie is right. a, a little bit. And here's the thing, man. I, I just want to talk about some of the fucking egregious aspects of the things surrounding this movie. As we talked earlier about Barbenheimer being a movement, it was fucking sad, but like in a sad way, it was fucking hilarious. Watching the overreaction of like fucking fat fucks fat white fucks getting mad about fucking well, barbie this movie emasculates men and relegates yeah. them to a to a subservient just, role there's just a subservient role all they're there is just to be eye candy and like yeah welcome to being a woman for the past i don't know 70 fucking oh, yeah. years or the way we, or probably longer yeah probably i don't know we don't do math here what you've been watching it's been a while we don't know it's been in the male Listen, game. History, history didn't exist before America. I can't yeah. go back that far. And we barely go back to the beginning of these podcasts. So, <laughs> outside of that, good luck. Um, but no, man, this, it was hilarious to me watching people get so... The same people that will call you triggered for right. like bringing up one... Are the same people that are literally making a... Vi- they care enough to... I don't care. Oh, and, I don't care. You care enough to make a video, right? You, a, a fifteen minute a 15 video, minute video on, on, on YouTube of you sitting in your truck, of how ex- criminal fucking stolen the 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 terrible you know virtues of Barbie and woke. It's woke Hollywood. Like just shut up, dude. It grossed a billion dollars. People obviously have an appetite for it. So that to me was funny, and I could. Well, but here's the thing, and and this is really what it comes down to me is this movie is just a two hour commercial. For a singular product. You're complaining about a two-hour commercial for a toy. Not only that. You're a grown man complaining about, yes, 
a movie about a product, but the product is made for little girls. Right. Like, initially. Let's be real here. So, like, what the fuck do you care? Yeah, yeah. Like, fucking... And here's the other thing. Hey, man, not your circus, not your fucking monkey. Exactly. And here's the thing. I'm going to make an analogy here is... And Michael looked at me crooked when I said it. I actually would put the Barbie movie, in a lot of aspects, in the same realm as South Park. Okay, explain that. And I will say this. What is South Park ultimately about? Yeah, it's about four boys. But in the more recent years, what have Matt Stone and Trey Parker done with their social commentary in terms of South Park. South Park is a tale of extremes. It is a tale of the sure. people that would be pro-vaccination that are like, you gotta get yours now! And they fight right. to... You're gonna kill everybody! They kick old right. people out of the way. Do you way. wanna kill grandma? Yeah, they or yeah, or they, they push old people out of the way to go get their own. Right. They right. have a whole heist about like, oh, we gotta, get, we gotta sneak in there with the old people to get ours because they're just having shots in there for free. They're getting them every right. hour on the right. hour. Right. And then there's the people that are anti- vaccination and again they play it to the extreme where they all start getting sick and then they blame it on something else it's the right. weed and it's like right, get... right 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 so and it's a tale of extremes so why i say that's kind of akin to barbie is yes is feminism very prevalent in this movie 100 percent. yes and it should be it is the the i would say the sure. main theme of this and being pro women being pro your own not pro choice in terms of that way but pro do fucking you ultimately be strong whatever but the reason it the tale of extreme comes in is when they talk about the patriarchy. Like uh-huh. they fucking play it up to the point. Like you understand that they're playing this up not only for dramatic effect, because the theme they're bashing you over. They're, they're saying, "Hey, look, this is how it can feel to us at times." It's like, "Fuck, it's a man's world." So right. they're bashing you over the head right, with right. it to prove so, a point. So basically, for, in Barbie, uh, sorry. So for for an extreme, so they're playing to the extremes for dramatic effect. But not only that, like South Park, they're playing to the extremes for comedic effect. A hundred percent. So, like, yeah. you understand that they're they're be, they're taking a serious subject matter and they're coding it in a fucking giant joke of going, well, this is what it feels like to us, and they're sure. playing in extremes in that sure, realm. Sure. So, I really appreciated that. No, there's not some fucking secret cabal of men that when we walk in a room, we make eye contact and we're like. Hey, how are you keeping those women down that's over right, there? Hey, right. I'm doing a great job. You that's hold right. those bitches down. I'm holding that's my right. bitches. I'm not letting them do On shit without my permission. Cosby to Weinstein. How you doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but in the movie, it fucking plays for effect. Right. And it works well because they're proving a fucking point. Sure. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so when I say it's, it's just in terms of like like in Barbie land, they 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 relegate all the men to just like Eye candy and and the, the, like they have no like no real no status bearing on society yeah, no no bearing on like all of the astronauts all of the doctors all of the lawyers all of this is all powerful women who are being played by you know Barbie quote unquote right. and you know like Ken even has a line like well my job is beach everybody thinks it's lifeguard but they'd be mistaken it's a common misconception it's just beach right <laughs> he's just beach Ken right. <laughs> Like, even to the point where when he steals away with Barbie to go to the real world, he's like, what happens if there's beach there, Barbie? <laughs> and he gets there. I knew there'd be beach. See? <laughs> yeah, he's fucking like... Yeah, so so yeah, it, it is played to extremes, but it's it's meant to turn it on its head. And right. Be like, we're not saying that this is exactly how it is, but it can feel this way sometimes. Right. And even if it is, like, it's fucking... It's a, it's a movie. Like you understand that. Like once the credits stop rolling, you can go back to the real world. Like, right. So yeah, I don't know. I I thought it was hilarious and brilliant for that to really beat you over the head with it. To be like, hey, what if? 
I'm like, it's that's the suspension of disbelief. If you can't suspend that, don't see the fucking movie. Like, did you forget that that's the contract you signed to go see a fucking movie? Right. right. Like, just go on the ride, bro. Just yeah, go on just the ride. take the ride. And, You're allowed to feel however you feel yeah. about it, but. And like, there's a joke where Ken goes, you know. Obviously, he gets in the idea of like he tries to bring the patriarchy back again. It's played to the extreme because he's only been in the the real world with quote unquote what he thinks men is running the world for what like a day, right? A right. few hours, a work shift, maybe eight right. hours, right? And he goes back, and it's like, and then he brings what his what his conception of it is, which that would be like me writing from the perception of, of a perspective of a pregnant teenage girl. I have no fucking idea. Right. You know what I mean? But and, I hung out with one one time. But I hung out with one one time, so let me let me formulate my whole world off of what I think I know about the situation. Right. And that's what he's doing. So he's going back and like fucking with Barbie Land for that reason. And it to me it's fucking played to a great effect because it's like He's a fucking moron because he thinks he's being smart, but he doesn't even grasp the concept of how little he even knows about right, the situation. Right, 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 right. Like, so it's right trying to trying to be head chef and he can't cut salad yet. Yeah, you know? he saw like, a movie about a head chef once, and he's like, right. "Oh, well, if I just yeah." And even then, you know, once he learns that the patriarchy wasn't all about horses, he lost interest. In it. <laughs> Which you know, the horse is just That's a great joke that they keep bringing up. That, the like, horse is just a man time. extender. Right. <laughs> It's like, Ken thinks that the patriarchy is all about horses. It kind of is, but it's kind of not. Kind of not, yeah. But no, that's how I felt about it, though, man. Is I, I, The people that want to get worked up about it, I just want to like scream in their face. Like You understand it's for comedic and dramatic effect, sure, right? Sure, like, sure, sure. And, and yeah, it, it, it is a little overbearing in terms of, yes, it beats you over the head with you know feminism and pro-woman and this, that, the other. But in the same breath, like it also keep striving to make the point that like even uh, America Ferreira who, the, who plays the lady that eventually find out was the woman that was playing with the Barbie doll and she was doing it out of nostalgia of, of trying to recreate her childhood and, and relive her time with her daughter time with her daughter and stuff like that who's grown into a little teenage fucker yeah who all, is just completely like kind of not unlikable. fun yeah, yeah just completely unlikable like hey listen 16 year old just your mom's working hard for your ass just Smile a little bit, like yeah, you'd be a whole lot prettier if you smiled, kind of thing. <laughs> oh man! But 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 that's kind of my point is that like even America Ferrera, like the the whole impetus in, in trying to save Barbie Land from the patriarchy is is they take all the brainwashed Barbies and she just gives them a, a rousing speech about how like well if you want to be a mother that's okay but also if you don't want to be a mother that's okay because kids are complicated and sometimes you don't always like your kids but sometimes you got to put on the face that you like your kids and then you got to concern yourself with your career but you don't really give a fuck about your career because it's a man dominated world anyway so yeah. now I got to figure out how I got to fit into a man's world but all I want to do is be like ah go fuck yourself like it's a great monologue. It, it it's is a great it is. monologue. But but the ultimate point of the monologue is being a woman is hard. There's no rules. And in a weird way, that's kind of not what you want in a message-driven movie of like, eh, it's up for you to figure out, you know? Like I, I, I kind of ultimately think that the message of the movie gets a little bit marred in that sense, in terms of Yes, girl power is being, you know, girl power is awesome, but also you got to understand it's really complicated being a woman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's sort of, it never really settles. I, I on hear one what you're way saying. Or the other. No, I definitely hear what you're saying. And you're right. It doesn't, 
I guess I didn't bump into that though, um, because I kind of zoned out. Not because it was a because I'm a man. No, it was a woman talking. No, 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 no. <laughs> Obviously, I'm fucking kidding. Again, comedic effect. Right. Um, right. But no, it was. Just, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, that was a bad joke. It was mean sorry. to say. But I just tuned out. I it. tuned out once the yeah. credits started. I couldn't. I couldn't. No, but it. it was the idea of like I'm not gonna sit there and try to interpret. You know, I like the rousing speech in the sense of like. I kind of left it at what it was because I felt like it wasn't for me. Does that make any sense? Like I heard sure. her saying all this stuff and I felt like for me to, I can hear the words she's trying to interpret it again. It's a sympathy thing, not an empathy thing. And I, I, I sympathize with yeah. what she was saying and I thought it was brilliantly delivered and very poignant, you know, in terms of like, you got to flirt with men, but also to try to get ahead, but you also have to let them down easy and like the, right, the right, how right. tough it is. You can't flirt too hard because then you're, then you're slut. slut. Yeah, right, she didn't say right. slut, but then you're right. easy or whatever right, she said. Right. Yeah, But you can't, you can't not flirt with them because then you're approved. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it just, it's, again, I, I understand. But I kind of appreciated the fact that there was no like, that's kind of what shook him out of it was like, oh, you have to be you to figure that out. It's really what works for you. And so I, I guess I didn't bump into it because again I just felt like that. Part I, I just feel that that wasn't is, for me. That, that you know? was the ultimate message, but I just feel that it gets a little muddled down. You know what I mean? Like it's it's sometimes in a movie like this, you just want to be told like, okay, tell me how to feel about this, and right. they never really do. Well, that. Michael, I'm a liberated man, and I know I'm allowed to cry. <laughs> Also, no, you're not. Yeah, I'm not. Because I will make fun of you. Yeah. No, there's so <laughs> there's <laughs> there's so many good lines in this movie. I'm trying to slide them in as much as possible. But it's like, uh, what does Will Ferrell say? When you think of sparkles, what do you think of? Female agency. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the idea that he wants a Ken wants a long term, long distance, low commitment, casual girlfriend. That's right. <laughs> That's right. The best shit ever. I mean. Don't we all though? Kind of a little bit, like a little bit. Yeah, I want some affection, but like on my terms, and then you can go away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, maybe that's just me. Yeah. No, I hear you. Um, I, the only time I guess, I guess you bumped up into a little bit sooner than I did. The only time I thought the message got a little bit muddled was, okay, so Will Ferrell plays the head of Mattel. Mm-hmm. Once he barbie comes into the real world and then she goes to mattel she goes to mattel they try to put her in a box she escapes at that point you don't need will ferrell's will ferrell's character anymore Mm -hmm. but yeah he goes to barbie land because mojo dojo casa houses start coming out which is (laughs) ken when he takes over the dream house um weird shit starts happening in the real world so he's like i have to go fix it it's pointless because by the time he makes it to to barbie land or barbie world whatever yeah barbie land Mm mm-hmm it's already resolved itself. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. he's kind of like... The whole story sort of worked itself out. There's no point. point in him being there except for it's like, hey, we're going to roll on Will Ferrell because we got him for another day. So yeah. Let's that's be funny. exactly why you... That's exactly why that happened. Yeah. Which like, is... Well, we filmed Will Ferrell in three days and we got him for six. So... Just keep rolling. Yeah. No, hey, I get Will, it. Just go up and just say some weird shit. Yeah. And he's funny. Like, don't get me wrong. I'll take it. But yeah. his character was kind of pointless. But the only time I kind of ran into it at the end was... I thought at the end when Barbie and Ken... Spoilers. Well, whatever, <laughs> uh, when they kind of resolved their issue of Ken taking over uh, through his own stupidity, uh, making Barbie land into the pa- patriarchy uh-huh. and whatever, and then they kind of overtake it through women power, all fine, whatever, whatever. I felt like that was kind of the bow that I needed for the story. Sure. 
And then apparently the ghost of the person who created Barbie comes into Barbie land and then just makes Margot Robbie a human at the end. Mm -hmm. And then she just like touches her hand and she sees all these images of fireworks. And in that moment as a toy, she knows what it's like to have the entire human psyche and be a one. It's very like Pinocchio in terms of like, I want to be a real boy or a real girl. Yeah. And it just lost it. Like I didn't understand the point of that. Yeah. It It, it it seemed seemed very shoehorned in. A a little superfluous. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like, Barbie world was already sort of reef, you know, it had already gone back to the way it was and everybody was happy with it. And then just be like, but now I've experienced so much from the real world and I can never go back to just being a Barbie. It's like, all right, well, we just did a whole movie about how complicated it is to be a woman in the real world. But sure, I guess if you want to take on that burden, then go for it. Yeah, she didn't really. And maybe I missed something. I mean, I've only seen it once, so maybe I did miss something and maybe I'm misspeaking, but her whole character thing, she just wanted things to go back to the way they were. Right. Right. And then once that happened, she's like, yeah, I'm still not satisfied. Yeah, she's like... Just like a woman. <laughs> she's just like, red pill. <laughs> you know, at the end, she just wants to take the red pill. And it's like, all right, that's fine. Like, whatever. I just, It just seemed, the way they delivered it seemed a little bit, like, unneeded or unnecessary. Yeah. In right. my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, again, I get what they're trying to go for in terms of, like, even Barbie wants to be a fully actualized, real person. But, again, they never really settle on what that is or, like, how the best way to do that. It's just like, well, you figure it out. I don't know. Fuck you, Barbie. Yeah. The fact that the movie is even, we can talk about it this much, is a fucking magic trick in yeah. itself. Yeah. Like, they tackle so many subjects. And there's people smarter than I will probably analyze this movie and see themes and motifs that I don't necessarily see. But sure. the idea of, they do talk about like the idea of the, the, uh, the, the beauty standard and how Barbie, Barbie kind of ruined that. Mm-hmm. And like when Barbie goes to the real world, she's like, Oh, they're going to love me. Like I, the, the joke is like, I single handedly like, you know, like women are equal now because of me, right. you know, and she has no idea because she's never been to the real world. And she, but if you think about like what it is, like she, when she was came out as a doll, every they explained it in the beginning of the movie, all girls had was like baby dolls. They're right. the only thing right. your your role is to be a mother. You will train to be that even as a child when you play. Right. You know. Right. And then so then this Barbie comes out and it's like she's cool, she's fashionable, she's got cool hair, she's got her own money and her own house right. and her own car right. and a what? Yeah, it's like exactly. that shit shook, exactly. yeah. shook shit up. Yeah. So. She's thinking like, oh man. And then she gets to the real world and it's like, dude, you make everyone feel like shit. Like you are the prototypical Barbie that when people refer to, it's some blonde haired, tall, beautiful, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's, by the way. Very Margot Robbie. Very Margot Robbie. Which, by the way, I felt bad because I did the same thing to Ryan Gosling. So I'm equal opportunity on this one. (laughs) But I, of all the themes in this movie about like seeing people for who they are and not just, I felt bad because it's, Objectively, Margot Robbie is just fucking beautiful. Of course, like just she's dropped it, and so it's hard not to objectify her. But I'm like, I'm not trying to. I hear the message, and I hear right. what you're saying, like, and I'm, I'm but also your... you got one of the most gorgeous people on the planet, like on the fucking planet <laughs> to play. Let's be real. What was Charlize Theron not available? Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> and Scarlett Johansson couldn't work out the weekend, yeah. and like they put her in like relatively skimpy outfits and yeah, stuff. They're yeah, not like yeah. crazy revealing, but it's like, right, right. Uh, let me say, let me just, they didn't have Gabby Sibide playing this role. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like, uh, they got Roseanne Barr to be like, I'm Barbie. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And they have their fair share of, they have like, which is great to see. They had like Barbie in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. They had, um, AO Itaberry. I think you said her, say her name. Bear? I don't know. Um, no, what's, what's her name? Whatever. 
the black woman president was Barbie. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, a, yeah. Like yeah, they had all different race, ethnicities, sizes, you know, plus size women, all that stuff, man. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. they were all Barbie, so it was kind of dope, but. They even, brought was, in, they even brought in gay Ken for a single scene. He was like, did. I'm magic earring Ken. And I was like, I know that oh, one. Man. Yeah, they dug into the vaults for some of the references, <laughs> which are all true. But um, but no, I did I did feel bad, though, because like, I understood the point of the movie. and But Margot Robbie was just so fucking hot. Right. So I couldn't help myself sometimes. Yeah. And same thing with Ryan Gosling. I was like, he's just fucking beautiful. Like, oh. Look how shredded up he is. Oh, my only complaint with the movie was he didn't take his shirt off enough. Yeah. I want to see... All those six packs. I want to drink them all in. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. So, yeah. But uh, other than that, though, man, I I really dug it. Um, also, shout out to Kate McKinnon for playing the, the weird uh, Barbie. The weird Barbie, yeah. like the Barbie that got played with too much or got the weird haircut or like what? What was it? She was like, "I'm the Barbie that that played happened. with too hard." Or I. But she says something to the effect of like, "I'm what happens when your older brother gets a ho- gets a hold of your Barbie." And yeah. so like, her hair's always like jutting out and frizzled and got marker all over her half face. burned. She's always sitting in splits. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Her hair was like burned up on one half yeah. and all like shredded up in weird clothes and everything. Yeah, mismatched clothes. She's wearing a sneaker and a and a skate and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty great. She's good and everything. I really like. Kate I mean, McKinnon. Kate McCannon. Come on. But no, I I dug the movie a lot though, man. Um, I really like. I said I'm on board with the message. Um, you know, we are pretty much pro whatever for the most part here at what you've been watching. We're pretty much go live your life. And well, be happy. and and I mean, real realistically, it is a fun movie. It is. It is, it is really entertaining. There's jokes aplenty. Even if you're not going to get bogged down in the in the political message or the or the the pro-feminism message like it's just entertaining and it it's, is. it's not you can you can disregard all that stuff and just be entertained with what's happening in front of you i will say there's a little bit of me where i'm like i don't know who this movie is marketed towards because it's simultaneously a commercial for 10 year old girls but it's 10 year old girls who have read like Kant's and like uh, uh, Beckett and stuff like that. Like, what does it mean to be a human and be oh, yeah. a fully completed human? I'm like, yo, like, you gotta, you gotta be in some weird philosophical shit to like really grasp what's happening in this movie. I don't know, man. It is PG 13 though, so they did. I, I do agree, but that's to be honest, that kind of makes me like the movie more in the sense of like by all short of the star power of you get Ryan Gosling to play Ken and you get Margot Robbie to play Barbie. Sure. Perfectly cast, okay. But like outside of that, like this movie shouldn't work. And it fucking <laughs> somehow works on a lot of different levels. It does. There's a couple misfires in which sure. we've talked about it. like on the whole, this movie shouldn't be and, and and maybe that's what I'm talking about. It's just I think tonally like it's kind of a magic th- trick though, man. Th- yeah, but it but it it doesn't always work in my opinion. I think I think that like they try to keep it lighthearted and fun and you know very much like marketed towards towards like young girls with like yeah girl power and then they'll immediately so, switch though. into like yeah it sucks being a woman and you got a lot of shit to look forward to that's gonna be really hard for you to decide but it's kind of for you to navigate it and like. Nobody can tell you what to do, and like you're right in your own decisions, but also you gotta play by society standards if you wanna get ahead. And it's just, it's this weird mix of like bubble gum and then razor blades. Bubble gum and then razor. That's 
fucking really good. <laughs> I was really astute right there. I guess I didn't bump up into that as much as you. Yeah. I guess to be honest, man. To be honest, man, I think I just kind of zoomed out and just enjoyed it for what it was. Sure. Because, again, I really thought like in, in I, I guess I would say like I got I walked away with the lesson or whatever. But like I really just thought like this movie wasn't for me. You know, like it. Sure. So like whatever. Like in a bad way or just like just the the message missed you. No, no, no. Just like I'm not gonna have. Okay. Bear with me. I'm gonna say a couple trigger words here. Okay. Kind of in the way of like some people. I don't really have. I'm. I'm I'm pro-choice, mm-hmm. but only because of the sense of, like, as a man, I don't really think I should have a fucking opinion on it. Sure. Just okay. being real kind of thing. So kind of in the same way there of, like, I don't really... We're doing it now, obviously, because I can't fucking help myself. <laughs> but, like, maybe I should shut the fuck up about the things of, like, I shouldn't... Whatever the femini- uh, feminism thing and the, the intricacies of being a woman, like... Again, I can sympathize, and a lot of those things do translate to, to being a male. It's just being a human sure, in general. Sure, And so that the things I can relate to, I'm like, yeah, fucking right on. It's fucking tough out here. And they also, as jokingly as they do make men and make them the butt of a lot of jokes, they do also, in the end, show them as real people and can mm-hmm. had real needs. And he's like, dude, you never give a fuck about me. Yeah. Like, all I ever wanted was just some of your fucking time. Like, God forbid. And yeah, I took it too far, but like... And they, they kind of show him as a real person too. Yeah, he's an he's an idiot. Sure, he's right. hilarious. You know, he's like, "Will you be my bride wife?" She's like, "Yes." And he turns the corner. Sublime. <laughs> <laughs> he walks back. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so I don't know the things that I that were like too heavy handed in terms of that. I was just like, maybe I don't really have that strong of an opinion on it. So I, I just didn't bump up against it. The things right. that I felt too heavy handed, I just kind of let roll off my back. Was like, all right, cool. Yeah, Does that and, make any sense? So I could I took it a little more surface value and what the, the messages that I did get out of it and the things that I did see, sure, I sure. greatly appreciated. And, and like I said, and, and I think that's that that's sort of problematic with the tone is in terms of there are aspects that you can just sit back and watch it as like a fun, you know, popcorn movie and just sort of enjoy the visuals and, and the humor and, and sort of the the audacity of like, well, what if Barbie was a real person? Right. Wouldn't that be funny? But then also, like, the message is very clearly there, and I think sometimes a little bit heavy-handedly so. But the message is there if you want to get into, you know, the psychology or the critique of, of society. Like, it's all there. I just, I, I feel that it's it sort of, it, it can't decide what it wants to do, and so it leaves me with a real longing of, like, well, just how should I feel about this, you know? I hear you. I- and I think those are like I said. Sometimes in a movie, I just want to be told what to feel. Right, right. What's the message? Put a bow on it. Exactly. I will say this though. Given everything you said, now that I think about it, isn't Barbie given all the years? Isn't she a problematic figure in herself? Oh, sure. And, and so it would be almost a disservice to her to not be like, "There's a lot of good, but there's also a lot of bad." And then when you apply what we think of Barbie, and like, again, we talked about the beauty standards and things mm-hmm. like that, but also like, hey, man, like I gave. A lot of I'm all about female empowerment. It's not about making people feel shitty about themselves. And people go, well, yeah, well, you do. Well, so bad. It's like, well, fuck me. Like, right, right, right. right. So there, she's problematic just by, just by her nature. Right, just, right, right. You know, so I guess it would be almost in a weird way. And I don't. I'm, maybe the director Greta Gerwig is much smarter than I. <laughs> uh, maybe that was intentional to kind of leave it as somewhat problematic in terms of like, there's a lot of good that comes with this, but there's also a lot of bad. So. 
I don't know. Maybe it, it does do the character more service. Yeah. Then so. So what do you rate it, man? Unless you uh, got anything else you want to talk about. I'm just thinking female directors. Won't what they, what won't they think of next? Michael. <laughs> it's a new age out there. It's a new age out there. I'm just saying, if I can't give my secretary a reaffirming pat on the bottom, how is she going to know she's doing a good job? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no, but seriously, uh, I'm going to give it. It's so, we're gonna, it's so bad to be ma- making jokes like this during this subject matter, but <laughs> ah, whatever, we did it. <laughs> Welcome to be a man. We get to joke about whatever we want. Yes. It no. ain't, yeah. No, it's, no, no, no. These are all jokes, people. Yeah, yeah. These are all jokes. Uh, no, I, I'm going to give it um, one problematic pink Cadillac. Real problematic. Real problematic. I hear that. You're not as high on this movie as I thought you would be. I, again, I I, See, I, do, I, I... I can decipher your reviews. No, I, I, do, I do like the movie. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I Just it's... It's a very confusing movie. I got you. No, it's a fair movie. Maybe I maybe I looked a little bit too too much into how the beef was made, so to speak. Well, Um, you want the "what does it all mean?" after they drug up the question, "What does it all mean?" Yes, like you drug up the question, "What does it all mean?" and then I walk away going, "Yeah, what the fuck does it mean?" and I just didn't feel satisfied necessarily. So, So does the top stop in Inception or not? I need to know. (laughs) Right, right, right. I hear you. (laughs) I will give it to Mojo Dojo Casa Dream. Houses. Ooh. There you go. You can figure that one out. Blending of perfect blending. So no, I dug it though, man. Ryan Gosling for the win, man. Yeah, for sure. He was fucking. He cracked me the fuck up, dude. For, for real. sure. So, uh, anything else you want to talk about? Man, I'm good. Let's let's That's get out of here. Let's wrap it up. Sign us uh, off. Yeah, man. Uh, this is uh, the marvelous Mike D. MD3 signing out and saying, "Go watch a movie and talk about it with someone you love." I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world.